Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is June the 7th of 2023, and I am Nick, and that is Quinn, and we are the hosts of the podcast. I didn't think of a cool, like, I don't have a cool tag team name. We need some, We need uh, something that's referential uh, and will ultimately uh, sound cringy. Uh, outside of the context of where we use this name, literally in five years. No, no, not f- I say years, sorry, months. Five months, it'll okay. sound cringy. So. Um, I think a lot of tag team names now feel like they're derived from memes. So we could be like, um, what's a good meme for us to do? The Or Ponderers. People are like, I vaguely recall that meme from like last year. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even know what that is. So. Oh, it's this wizard pondering Perfect. an orb, and people made a bunch of memes about it. It was good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Nick, I have a thing to say. Happy Pride. Happy Pride yeah. to all of our listeners. I hope you're having a great time. Celebrate. Uh, everyone is welcome at Pride, except for cops. So have a good time. <laughs> uh, I went to go see a movie yesterday. And I got to the movie a little early, so they're doing, like, the pre-show commercials, like, where the quizzes and stuff might be. Right. And Regal Cinemas, where I went, was like, Regal celebrates Pride. And I was like, okay, we're going to talk about a good uh, film, like, a good queer sure. film. Maybe we'll put a spotlight on some queer filmmakers or mm-hmm. uh, queer performers or queer artists in general. Just, like, really focus on them. Uh, instead, it was two, uh, I presume, TikTokers, so, uh, TikTokers, social influencers, who I presume are gay. I don't know who they are, queer. Um, and they were like, we at Regal Cinemas would like to celebrate a new queer horror icon. That's right. Megan from the movie Megan, because she has such a uh, RuPaul Drag Race energy sashay murder dance. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> this is this is what we're doing for Pride Month. Immediately, <laughs> immediately. Celebrating the robot from Megan for having a real sleigh dance for serving cunt before she kills people. <laughs> immediately, I can think of worse queer icons from, from recent oh, yeah. movies. So. Now, but I mean, like, look, if you're going to do queer horror icons, do a real one like the Babadook, who... <laughs> <laughs> celebrate the Papa Duke. They don't get enough love. They seem lonely. <laughs> they get too much love. Uh, oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I've always thought uh, I, I have never seen that movie. I, I'm sure that it's like great because people who like horrors like it. Uh, I don't like horrors, so I've never bothered to try it, try and check it out. Every single image that I've seen of the Papa Duke. It makes it look like the silliest thing in the world. <laughs> it's not the most intimidating thing. I assume it's it's scary when you see it like out of nowhere or something like that. Like, like he just comes at you, but he does look rather like storybook friendly. Yeah, <laughs> when you see it. Like, my my hands are too small for my body. Oh. Well, well, he's just a little guy. He's just having a good old time. 
Um, I had to check out. Apparently, the director responded to the gay bar- uh, Babadook. Uh, not accusations. <laughs> Uh, icon status apparently it's a very different context yeah um no i i really got a big enjoyment out of being like really saying myself for like ah like a highlight of like queer cinema and filmmaking and they were just like look at that megan robot she's fucking she's fucking twerking it up and down before she kills people yes queen and i was like this i i can't say this is homophobic but this feels a little homophobic i'm not gonna lie i guess they're like nobody will be angry at this like there's gonna be some people who are just very angry or celebrate pride in general but i guess Absolutely. like i guess there are some fringe cases who are gonna be like don't push this down my throat everyone's like i guess they're just talking about that gay robot it's fine megan is clearly not gay megan is clearly asexual which is not queer at all whoa i can't say that it's like that's inaccurate though <laughs> and again happy pride to everybody yes absolutely especially the asexuals listening especially you yeah because that is absolutely a thing that uh does not get uh included as much yeah people think of that so all right nick let's talk about manga guys we do have manga to talk about today uh and it's uh gonna be a bit of a weird week given some of the series that we are including and not including uh or just like it's up to us series that had and did not have chapters that we normally cover uh so that, uh, i guess we'll just get into it uh my hero academia is gonna be first up it's chapter 390 shoto toroki rising uh which i mean he doesn't actually rise he more goes horizontal horizontal <laughs> direction in this chapter covers lots of distance mm-hmm. uh we saw uh todoroki with the uh ice jet that was surrounding ida and uh, apparently it's basically just kind of been helping Ida prevent from, you know, overclocking this whole time. Uh, and he reaches his limit at the very beginning of this chapter. His mufflers are, you know, exploding off of his legs. Uh, the pipes just blow blown open. And he tells Todoroki that, uh, like, I'm, I've reached my limit. I can't go, go any further from here. Uh, so Todoroki is like, it's all right. I got it from here. Uses a flash fire fist technique. Phosphor! to blast himself basically the rest of the distance to, to get there. Um, and uh, there's people who react to this being like, holy shit, they went fast. <laughs> because they did. Yes. Uh, they went supersonic. Yes, but not that supersonic. Oh, there's, what? There's no, there's no, there's no Crush 40 playing. I mean, there, there might be. You never know. But, Why not? But, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've, and I'm Pride Month. Come on. Nick. On Pride Month, <laughs> queer <laughs> video game icon Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> you can't tell me he's not. <laughs> I don't believe he's not based off the fan art I see on DeviantArt. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just type in Sonic gay and I just let the world, I just let the internet take me to where I belong. Sometimes butt fucking. Sometimes I had butt fucking to the end of it, and then I just let artistry take me from there. Let's love take me from there. 
It's not porn if it's art, right? <laughs> if there's love in there, no, then the, then it's beautiful. Sonic <laughs> butt fucking <laughs> love. <laughs> no. Sonic <laughs> anal sex. That's not what I searched for. <laughs> I guess it is. I type Quinn. Quinn, <laughs> your glasses are going to be too reflective for us to include this part <laughs> in the stream. But fucking, and I was like, anal porn. That's what I was searching for. Woo, carry on. All right. Uh, so, the ice jet thing we are told helped to reduce drag. Sure. I, I, I don't know enough about aerodynamics to know if that would actually work or not. Uh, uh, oh, fuck. To the cop guy that all might knows i'm so sick of this guy he just shows up to just kind of be around uh and he's just and he gets very emotional about this very briefly as, as he's helping to narrate what's happening uh and ida stumbles and he falls while Todoroki continues to go forward he kind of tucks and rolls and then gets back up on his feet and keeps on running in order to make it the rest of the way there uh and as he runs off. He gives him some last words of encouragement, like, hey, I'm coming to be who I want to be thanks to you, so you do the same thing, essentially. Okay. Uh, and as Shoto is running, he has this kind of, like, mental letter to his mother, uh, which might actually be something he's written to her. I know he was keeping uh, up... He started writing letters to her at, at a certain point in the story, we were told. And uh, he says to her that I've been trying to, you know, speak up and get to know my classmates better. And because of that, I kind of get in some conflicts and sometimes, you know, we butt heads. But because of that, I know who they are better. I know how they feel better. And my friends care about more than just themselves. They get mad and they shed tears for the sake of others. And that's how I want to be, too. And it's not easy. But I'm trying. And he gets to where the rest of the Todoroki family are surrounding Dobby, trying to keep him from blowing the fuck up and incinerating everything for miles around. And uh, he rushes in straight towards Dobby. And as this happens, Dobby thinks to himself, you know, my origin is Toya and Dobby. If it was so simple a thing, if only we butted heads like this sooner. There are still arguments I want to have and things I still want to say. And uh, Sh or maybe Shoto's thinking this. I don't know. Toya's face is, is, is in part of it. And then it's Shoto. Shoto unleashes a big, huge ice thing. Great glacial ager, which uh, they can, the effects of it go out for miles. Like it hits with the news, the news chopper that is covering stuff and a bunch of like the shelters. Uh, the little kids that were watching uh, Mr. Five Wieners on their on their tablet. Uh, you can't it, say it like that. <laughs> Mr. Five Wieners on their tablet. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they, they they get to see it, too. They get they get to see Shoto be a cool hero guy. And. In the aftermath, as the dust clears, uh, all the Todoroki family are really beat the fuck up. And Shoto you know, finally gets a moment to say, like, our whole family's here, Jesus. Well, but it's probably good that it was because I don't think that that alone would have been enough to stop this. And he is standing triumphant over Dobby, who is a barely there skeleton boy. 
who does not have eyes anymore, and one of his arms is gone. So he's he had did, a rough time. <laughs> he's really, really burnt up. He looks like he should not be alive, uh, given how little of his face is left. Um, and uh, yeah, he he Toya has fully collapsed, and he's just really, really upset. Of course, because like you guys all suck. I hope you all die. <laughs> um, and uh, so they're like, "Well, what do we do now?" Uh, and uh, Endeavor crawls towards uh, Toya, and he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I never made it to Sakoto Peak. And Toya just goes, I hate you all. <laughs> you, all suck. you suck, Dad. You blow. Endeavor's like, yeah, that's it. Keep it up. And he's like, no, fuck you. I want, I want to kill everyone. Fuck you. Ah. Uh, yeah, so lots of emotions. Oh, next uh, chapter is just like a straight up like the 15 chapters of roasting <laughs> endeavor. Everyone's like, you suck. You suck. This is this is in a large part your fault. So many deaths <laughs> could have happened because of you. Oh, you finally managed to be a good dad. Let's give Endeavor a hand. Get it? Because you lost a hand. You fucking loser. <laughs> He's like, for you, me. <laughs> Yeah, good luck raising your kids well when you only got one hand, Dad. <laughs> good, one less hand to be an abusive father with. He's like, he's like, all right, all right, guys. I feel like it's unfair if you hire uh, fucking Jeff Ross to write your material for you. Also, I never physically abused my kids. Yes, you did. Okay, I did, but... <laughs> uh, last little bit of the chapter is uh toga seemingly having realized that what has happened which kind of makes sense even if she doesn't have like some sort of connection to toya uh because there was a massive fireball that turned into a massive ice cloud thing off in the distance and uh she is kind of is kind of reacting to this while the fight is still unfolding around her uh, and uraraka is trying to reach her looks like she's it took me a minute, but I guess she's like pinned down under like a pile a of twice clothes. Bunch of twice is holding her back. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. There we go, Dick. We're finally gonna get yeah. uh, the uh, I forget both these characters' names. Gravity and Harley Quinn girl fight. <laughs> uh, I did not say that because I. Don't believe it. Yes. Yeah, I will believe I'll believe we'll get a chapter of them that's focusing on them when we actually get a chapter focusing on them. Okay. <laughs> this has you been a fight next, that has been holding That would be great time. if like next chapter all the twice goods got eliminated by like I don't know fucking sugar rush or whatever. <laughs> and then uh Harley Quinn girl just gets punched off screen. <laughs> Like some boxer dude just shows up like, boom, I did it, everybody. I'm the best. <laughs> Me, a man. <laughs> Me. It's about time a male hero got some focus. Oh, no. Uh, I look forward to seeing what comes of this. If anything, uh, something will happen, I'm sure. Uh, it's a fine chapter. I, I should note, uh, I'm going to preface, this is a great week of manga. Uh, oh yes! I think as especially as we go along, it's gonna be hard not to be like, "This is an amazing chapter. This is an amazing chapter." But this is a really good chapter. I don't think it wins anything for me at the end of the week, but it's mm. it's a good chapter. So it's a poorly timed one because it has this big, huge climax to this struggle to beat 
I guess defeat Dobby is the word for it because it wasn't necessarily about beating him. It was about also trying to save him potentially. Um, and uh, that's happened. This is the thing that has been, you know, a, a major focus for like sec- for the secondary cast of My Hero Academia for several years now. Uh, and it doesn't feel super impactful for me. Uh both, I think, because of like the pacing of how these last few moments played out compared to how we got to this point uh, with like, you know, kind of jumping at back and forth in terms of the focus around this group battle. And also because it happened to fall on a week where there was a lot of really, really, really good stuff. So, yeah. All right, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unlocked. This is number 161, Tenraisei. Uh, this or Tenraisei. Sorry. Yes. Uh, so we open in Hong Kong because apparently that is where they ended up crashing uh, the space shuttle into. It was pretty yep. close to that. So they're currently hanging around the international airport. There's like a little comments about how like the young characters are just able to like really chow down. Uh, but uh, Creed's or uh, yeah, uh, Creed, I think, is the one who asks, where's Fuko? And it's, I don't know who I think maybe it's Nico or somebody's like. Maybe Sean. Yeah, maybe yeah. Sean. Somebody's like, she's over there. And it's Fuko who's eating, eating noodles, but she's like looking about, like darting heads back and forth. She's like a glare as she's doing it. And like, I don't know. She's been like this since we got to Hong Kong. Cut over to Phil. Phil wants to eat something. And his mom's like, oh, no, with your body, food will just. And she, chomp, she starts chomping down. And all of his wounds start healing. They're like, yep, I guess that's what his artifact does. Food will help heal him. And his mom's really excited because her little boy can eat food, and that's nice. Yeah, a robot boy can eat food like a like a like an organic kid. Mm-hmm. Nico walks over and is like, "Fuko, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, why are, <laughs> what you doing? Why are you so like nervous and high strung? Why are you so on edge?" And Fuko's like, "Because we gathered a lot of attention when we landed, and we may have been spotted." Fuko's or Rico's like, "Oh, by who? A new enemy? A UMA?" Fuko's like, "Something like that." And she's still. <laughs> like glaring and just chowing down on noodles she will not put that bowl down no matter how nervous she is she's very hungry but she is still gonna glare uh she just says you know i'm talking about mr fang like he's totally obsessed with fighting me and he could bump into him at any time uh nick was just mr fang right there as he killed a bug instantaneously um in my mind i was like oh yeah i forgot about the fact that fang exists in this world uh, but Nico's like, I don't get it. Can't you just beat him like you did before? And Fuko's like, yeah. So, like, he's already kind of, like, the strongest around when it comes to, like, physical prowess and technique. But we also jumped forward in time, like, 20 years. So it's he's only good, gotten stronger. It's a good point, And I completely forgot that that would make sense. Like, yeah, because they jumped forward, even people that they met before the time skip, you know, are going to be different as a result of that. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a nice way of putting like no no no, he's had 20 years to train so he's just been getting better in that time so fuko even notes like he may be able to counter my ability but if it happens i will fight him i just i'd rather if i didn't have to fight him Mm -hmm. uh but then somebody with bandaged fists wearing like a cloak walks up to fuko 
and immediately starts like going into like a, a combat thing. There's a bunch of exchanges, you know, like the bull gets knocked up into the air. Uh, unfortunately, it shatters. She doesn't. Fuku doesn't manage to grab it and continue eating. Nope. The Jackie Chan movie uh, just uh, falls and breaks. Uh, but Fuku does reveal a new technique: bad arts, where she covers her arms and her hair to box with, and uses bad blade where some of her excess hair like hangs off to the side and stretches out. I guess like a blade would. I don't believe it's oh, yeah. sharp. Well, the thing is, I don't believe it's supposed to be sharp. It's just supposed to be I, her hair. I, okay, I see your point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe she has really great hair gel in there, and that's what's like keeping it like stricken out to the side. Uh, but it looks like just a little bit manages to touch this person, and they slip on the shattered uh, bowl of noodles, and Fuko gets the upper hand. She's like, sorry, you may not agree with it, but bad luck is a part of skill, too. And I've got how fucking cool Fuku is when she's doing martial arts. She looks yeah. so goddamn cool right here. Um, everyone in Union's like, wow, our boss fucking rules so much. <laughs> uh, the person who attacked, uh, like, kind of backflips away and immediately, like, prostrates themselves. Like, I'm sorry, I, I need to ask for your strength to help me. You're the only person I can ask since you handed Fang defeat in the past. I can no longer stop him on my own. I would like you to enter a certain martial arts tournament, and there you must defeat and stop Fang. And also my brother, Shen. You have to save him. So a couple members of Union are like, I don't know who Shen is. Uh, Gina's like, I think I may have heard that name before. I think that's who Fuko said their master was. Uh, but Fuko immediately is like, okay, uh, fill me in. Tell me everything that's going on. Nico's like, didn't she just say fighting was too much trouble? And she's like, that's one thing, but this is another so, all right, we're going to go join this tournament. Cut over immediately. It's the day of the prelimi uh, preliminaries. It's the Tenrai Sai. Sai. Tenrai Sai. Uh, and they're like, this is the strongest martial arts tournament in the world. Uh, it's going to be split into multiple blocks that are basically just going to be kind of like battle royales. Just whoever survives will continue moving on. Yeah, it's like the Coliseum battles in One Piece where mm -hmm. they... they you know, just narrowed it down to those, you know, people after huge battle royals. Yeah. Yes. Um, they you know, know, which, that, that, that where, uh, where Lucy met Moosey. Oh, I miss Moosey. I love Moosey. Uh, they know, like, hey, whoever survives will face the champion who is the pinnacle of martial arts, Fang, colon. Uh, and Fang is just sitting up there in his chair with his arm there. And he's like, this is so stupid. I could beat everybody here right now. I only want to fight one fucking person and his uh, whoever is like little narrator is is like, uh, no, you we have a tournament. We got to do the tournament that uh, let's, let's start the tournament, guys, because shitting on it. Listen, we have to have a full tournament where all the rounds will have battles that will be featured and lots of characters that will get a lot of focus. Long battles in many rounds, okay? okay. Uh, this is how tournament arcs work, okay? Yes. Uh, so we cut over to Fuko, who is kind of like in a rope, and all the martial artists are looking down on her. Uh, they think he's, uh, Fuko's a guy. They're like, oh, look at this guy. He's fat and also kind of sloppy, uh, which I don't get. 
either of those. I don't know how you would assume sloppiness when this character is yet to move. And I don't know what about Fuko would indicate that she's necessarily fat per se, but maybe they're just being mean dickheads for the sake of being mean dickheads. I, the only thing I can think is that because she's wearing a cloak, it obscures like her features. Okay. And that that's that is it. Like they can't know what she actually looks like. Maybe it's because when she's got the cloak trailing down from her shoulders, it makes her look stockier than she actually I guess is. So. That's the only thing I can think of because literally I, I was like Fuku is there is no one who could look at Fuku as she is currently and think that she's fat. <laughs> like she's a physical specimen. I was gonna say she's extraordinarily ripped. Uh not that there's an issue one way or the other. Uh, but it doesn't matter because these are big dumb jerkheads who they ring the yeah. gong to start it and Fuko, boom, cloak comes off. She whoops all their asses and immediately eliminates everybody. Uh, announcer's like, oh my god, and block A, every fighter has fallen except for one. No, it's not just there. It looks like each block has a fearsome fighter who's mowed down everyone else. And they're all new faces. This is crazy. So Fuko has won her block. Billy has won his block using close quarters combat. Void has won his block using boxing, which I do love the idea. Just like the gong gong. He's just like boom, boom, boom. Like knockout punch, knockout punch, knockout punch. Uh, And Yusai has won her round using her quick draw style. Uh, She's literally sitting on a pile of bodies drinking from her gourd. And they're like, this is the wildest start to a Tenrai Sai history. Uh, and we just end the chapter with Fang excitedly silent, saying, ah, you are here, Fuko Izumo. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. Uh, I love the pacing of this chapter. Just like, no fucking around. It's like, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go and find Shen, uh, and find out what the hell is going on with him, which is it's, has me very excited because I love Shen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I like the way that we just sort of like, okay, yeah, it's like, look, we're not going to fuck around with a long-ass tournament. It's like, no, 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 first round, done. It's t- <laughs> the only participants left are people that are in Union. <laughs> so we're just going to fight Fang and possibly Shen, depending on exactly what the situation yeah, is here. That's the thing I'm most curious about is to find where Shen fits into all of this, because it's mm-hmm. like, save my brother Shen. I also, I didn't mention it, but... Uh, I got confused, and I thought it was uh, Mui the first time, mm-hmm. before I realized it was Shen's sister who got Tekken to death, basically. Right. That's what happened, uh, right? She got thrown off a cliff or something like that? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah in order to make Shen feel lost and, and make him the ultimate art, martial artist thing. Yeah. Te- Tekken to death, then. Good. Right. Uh, <laughs> I also, just as a last comment, want to say that I love uh, Fuko's Chun-Li-esque look. Because uh, she's got the the uh, chipao, uh, but also she's got that hair bun thing. I'm not sure exactly what the term for it is, but I get the impression that we're supposed to assume that she is specifically avoiding using her hair for yes. techniques like the one she used at the beginning of the chapter for this. Uh, but yeah, we'll see uh, how things play out from here. I'm very excited to see a martial arts battle go down because those are cool and fun. All right. Uh, let's talk World Trigger, Nick. We have two chapters of World Trigger. To we talk do about. Two, two chapters. chapters. It's the it's chapter two thirty three and two thirty four. The away mission test part thirty and part thirty one. Are we actually going to wind down on this on this story, Nick? We are legitimately getting to the end here. I think. It might actually be happening. <laughs> We're not. I, we are, to be clear, we are not there. 
We're not, we, are, we are getting close. <laughs> uh, so... Last time, we kind of concluded on the note that Nina Mia's squad had been really struggling uh, in this latest round of team battles. Uh, and in fact, in this final round, they lost all but one of their nine matches. Uh, and Chica is really, well, not lost all but one, only one one, and the rest were losses or draws. So they really were struggling. And Chica is very depressed about this now. She's feeling really down on herself. Uh, and so they're like, why the hell did ever specifically, uh, Emma is like, why the hell did they all come after Amatori so hard like this? And Ozma's also thinking about it as well. Like, this is you know, crazy that everyone focused on this so much. And Nina Mia is so like, so Amatori figured out what's going on with you. And <laughs> she's like, I, I can't do anything right. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and their operator says, so like, it's not your fault. And Nemia's like, no, you don't seem to understand. I told you guys up front I wasn't going to give specific commands because I wanted you to think and act on your own. Do you remember that? As long as my squad members followed that overarching directive, then any and all responsibility lies with me. And Chica's like, I mean, I get that, but... And she thinks about how things were with Tamakoma too. When Osamu said, like, hey, you know, you were acting on my orders and it's my fault. And then she stepped up and she was able to overcome her mental block and shoot someone for the first time. And she says, but I want to be able to take charge and do my duty right. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a beat between everyone. And Inamiya says, so you're saying that you didn't achieve that? She's like, yeah. And he says, attempting to reach a solution on your own is admirable in a way. But as soon as you realized you were in over your head, you should have spoken up and asked for help. And he, there is a moment which, which we call back to where he may have said, if you're having an issue, speak up. And she's like, no, I'm fine. And Yumiya says, you need to do that before the point of no return, not after things get out of hand. And then Ozma chips in and he says, look, this is a test. And the point of a test is to learn what you can't do it's so that you discover your own shortcomings. And this has brought to light one of your issues in advance of the away mission. So that's good. Yeah. So don't be down on yourself. Improve yourself before the big mission. And then is like, yeah, that's exactly right. And user is like, you should have told me that earlier. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you made her upset. I hate you. <laughs> I do love that, like, Ninomiya and Azuma are both, like, being really good teammates right now like yeah they're both like yeah we're trying to help you out this is a lesson to be learned from like obviously uh what's his name is just like you should have said something earlier but it's like no they are actually trying to like help her out as like mentor figures see yeah. nick ninamiya isn't a super dick hole after all just i mean it definitely hole. puts it definitely i really like the way that this has recontextualized his hands-off attitude on things and it, and you know the fact that we had that moment there where he's like, hey, you, are you having, do you want to say something? He was giving her that out and she didn't take it because she, well, like she needed to succeed on her own, which, you know, given the stuff that she's been through, makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. she feels that pressure and she feels like she's got to stand on her own and she's not doing it. It's, you know, a really horrible catch-22 to put yourself in, but she's a kid. She's like 11 or something like that, so. Chica? She's 18. Yeah. 
If she's not. Yeah, she is. Chica? Yes. She's, like, older than Osamu. Chica Amatori. Yes. Hold on. Chica or There's no Trigger. way this is correct. Age. I'm almost positive she's, Quinn, like, Quinn. she's 17 years old. Is she? Well, hold on. Now I'm getting different answers. Wikipedia said it was one thing, and now the World Trigger Wiki is saying she's 14. She's middle school. I could have sworn to God she was 18. Replica Ryan just fucking with me and saying she's in her 20s. <laughs> she's this, she's 57, guys. I thought she was. I thought she was older than everybody else, and it was just like kind of the joke that she was smaller. No, there's no way. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I, I guess I was wrong. You can't be mean to me, Nick. It's Pride Month. You bigot. <laughs> Chick is 18. <laughs> It's a common stereotype to to refer to to LGBTQ people as not understanding the age fictional characters. I win. (laughs) That's why I was looking up Sonic butt fucking. (laughs) Sonic Uh, butt fucking love, Nick. (laughs) It was romantic. That's right, and they're all over 18, absolutely. I mean, they are, except for Cream, but no one would search for that. You're a fucking weirdo if you're searching for Cream. Sonic, Sonic's like 15, canonically. Oh my god, Sonic is... Is Sonic canonical age? There's no way. 15?! <laughs> you can't... Got it one! You can't, this is prejudice... This is bigotry more than I've ever experienced before in my life. But in hedgehog years, so it's okay. 15 hedgehog years is a good point. That means he is an old man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, anyway, we did that at a bit of a scene cut. Uh, we cut to over to the, the management head HQ desk, and th- really, we just kind of get a summarization of how the different squads have performed in the simulation battles going from best to worst. Suwa squad in this round did the best. Uh, so, hey, all the adjustments that Samu and company made really, really, really paid off. All that information training they did, it pulled them through when the points mattered the most, and they did they did good. Kinozoe's squad did the second best, and apparently their big thing was instead of doing covering fire bombardments, they just did focus cannon fire. Such genius strategy, but I guess everyone just kind of like played things one way because they were expecting it to go that way, and then they were not able to cover it. Um, and then it was Utagawa Squad and then Kodera Squad because they colluded with Suwa Squad and they got some sweet info from them. Helps to help that helped them out. OG Squad uh, was just behind them, and we are told that they used a unique strategy to produce these results. And we see OG planning with the, the, the crew with the, uh, the crew ahead of time and saying, like, yeah, why don't we like just swap around the units that we're all controlling? And they're like, why should we do that? And OG says, well, here's an example. <laughs> Ikoma. <laughs> uh, you're going to lo- let's say that you're, go- you're going to use a whirlwind too much. Our rivals might catch on and start to predict their moves. And then, when his own avatars get ganked, he doesn't really care much, so long as they just die in a funny way. <laughs> That's really the attitude you need to take. <laughs> and he comes acting like he's being, like, like, oh! 
your very pointed but accurate criticisms of mine. <laughs> uh, so he says, like, Yukoma, instead, you're going to control Obishima's units because you don't want Obishima's cute units dying, do you? He's like, ah! <laughs> so stupid. It's how uh, works. Yep. So and the only person apparently who did not like have their units switched around was Suji because Obi it was OG just says like you're the cornerstone of our defense. Uh you're the only one who can actually play your units the way that you do. And Suji's like, Oh, thank you. So yep. Um and uh so it was, you know, a really weird way of switching up their strategy essentially. Then we're told that it was Karuma Squad, and then Kakizaki Squad, and then Murakami in eighth place. Uh they kind of expressed disappointment in this, saying like, oh, it felt like, you know, Murakami's squad should have, like, improved over time. And then they say like, okay, let's talk about Mizukami's squad, because they only got ninth after doing so well prior to this point. And we get, in the next chapter, a big breakdown from Mizukami, where he basically just lays out their strategy, which is like, look, guys, we don't need to win the sim battles, because we've got a huge bleed in that regard. All I want us to do is make sure that we win at least two or three of these particular uh, matchups that we have. Uh, and then just kind of take it easy on the rest of it and make sure that we focus on the written scores because we've got a huge lead in this regard. The only way we could possibly actually lose at this point is if one of the teams that is close to us sweeps and kills everything. If all these lower down teams do well and drag them down, then we're good. And we're just going to focus on these delegated assignments instead. Uh, and so they did that. And it was like, all right, cool. So they only they only got like 10th place, but that was exact. They did. They won the matches that they wanted to win. And they got exactly what Mizukami was aiming for. So there you go. Good job. Uh, also, he sent lower ranked teams information of the top performers in order to screw them over, which makes sense. So... <laughs> Uh, so then they talk about like, okay, let's talk about Ninamiya squad because they really didn't seem to. They also didn't do well, and so they talk about that, and they're like, yeah. So Ninamiya and Azuba were just talking about that and how if trouble springs up on an away mission, it's going to be really bad for someone who is the type to just take on matters on on their own and is not up to it. Uh, so they didn't perform very well, but you know, there was some stuff done. And then there's fucking Wakamura Squad. These <laughs> oh, fucking it's so losers. Sad. They're like these fucking dorkhead dork loser super dorks. Uh, they also only got one win in the final round. It was against Mizukami Squad, who, as has been stated, were not trying to win that matchup. Uh, and so they're like, yeah, I mean, what about the whole thing where Hughes was going to try and you know take over stuff? He only got one win and three draws. And you know, they're like, you know, he's been acting really docile. So what, what's this? Was he just been making light of everything? And, oh, gosh, I forget his name all of a sudden. He's Jin, right? Yes. Yeah. Jin says, I think that what he was actually trying to do was not, like, steal the spotlight and muscle Wakamura out of a leadership position because if he had come in like I'm gonna take over because you suck then that would have been you know giving us an excuse to kick him off the mission roster and bench him uh, so then they kind of look around and, and one of the directors says like did we did you anticipate that when you made Wakamura captain and <laughs> Chino says no 
We've got the future of the organization in mind. Making Wakamura a professional captain. It's it's very no. amusing. Like <laughs> they were like, no, we really saw everything in this guy. You fucking you rule so hard. <laughs> yeah, Kino, Kino is just the shade. It's like, well, I hope that he rises to your expectations. <laughs> it's like the very, the very, very unspoken because he hasn't been meeting them so far. <laughs> he's been kind of, kind of slumming it so far. But just you wait, any day now, yep. he's gonna, he's gonna turn this all around. Uh, so yeah, we established that Utagawa's squad overall has is actually in the lead at this point. Ninomiya's squad was is in second place, uh, and Sui's squad chilling in fourth place. Wakamura dead fucking last. So. Um, and they say like, yeah, when you compare the grand total across all these days, that presents a very different picture than we were seeing up to this point. So now we get on to getting past the sim battles. It's sealed environment phase day four. And uh, Sua Squad's having a have a conversation as they get a new assignment in. We don't get to see what it is this time, and we see everyone just reacting to it. And we are left on the note of Murakami going, "The heck is this?" Uh, so that's it. Uh, so, yay! We moved forward. We got past we, a section of this test. Uh, we we are now done the battle sims. We are wrapping that up. Uh, but there is definitely like the frustration to be like, can you not just tell us what the twist is like? To now go another month, hopefully just a month before it's like, yeah. okay, this is why they were like, what the heck? What the, this is crazy or whatever. So we shall see. Yep. Oh my God, yep. Nick, what if they're like one more day <laughs> of battle sins? <laughs> this is only st- like uh, round one of the away test, which isn't it? Is there another they're round? They're supposed to have more after this sealed environment phase. Yes. <laughs> Okay, all right. Jesus. Uh, I'm super excited for it. Uh, all right, hold on. I actually have to all open right. up we get fucking... it on our phones. Yeah. I'm loading up now, guys. Just wait. Guys, it's Eden Zero time. Yeah, who could forget? Eden Zero, chapter 242, Mueller's Trap. Um, So we open in the temple on Nero one where everybody's like, Oh my God, our spaceships are like launching without any pilots, even the ones that don't have AI. And this is crazy. What's happening. And then we cut. And honestly, I can really sum up most of this chapter in uh, the Eden zero crew does a space battle and shows off their space skills. Uh, Rebecca shoots a whole bunch of them and it's commented upon that she's like a good shot and a good pilot i i understand why she's a good shot i don't know where i guess i just in three years she's become a really good pilot as well weiss is able to activate like an auto but quinn she's got all this power from her time in the previous loop but her body can't handle her piloting skills, so... <laughs> yeah, that's the twist. She'll have to go take a bath to get, let her body get just it. Uh, Weiss is able to actively activate, like, auto-aiming. Uh, clean and Jin do nothing, but they're also included in, like, wow, you guys are so strong. Uh, and then, because the Owl Cosmos is kind of also an ocean, Laguna uses some of his water powers, which I don't understand the mechanics of, but I'm not going to think about it because it is kind of cool looking. Um, 
And Shiki can use his gravity to deflect bullets. So like, wow, these guys are really, really strong. Uh, Valkyrie comments on Homura. She's like, oh, I didn't know you could fly no. a ship. Well, uh, then Homura comments on Valkyrie because she's like, wow, my mentor is super overpowered. Yeah. Yep. That happens. Yep. But Valkyrie comments on Homura saying like, oh, I didn't know you could pilot spaceships. And she's like, not really. I'm actually a really bad pilot, but the ship that I fly won't be built for another three years. So right now I just basically <laughs> fly a plane with a big long knife at the end of it. And I just try to drag it through ships. Um, and then the Eden Zero does a big space blast, wipes them all out. Uh, the main thing that's supposed to come out of this is that Shiki's like, all right, we're going to go land. But they're like, oh, well, we can't leave the Eden Zero defenseless. So Shiki's like, okay, I'll just go. And Shura's like, well, I'm coming with you. So it's just going to be Shiki and Shura heading down on this mission. Cut over inside the temple, deep snow. Dr. Mueller's like, ah, these meddling kids. Ooh, don't do doing the bad things. And then he becomes like a weird little scientist. He's like, Ustan coffee. I can't find it. Must be mysterious time space paradox. Uh, and then he's like, oh, wait, no, I'm holding it. Um, but he notes, like, I have been listening in to everything that they've been saying on the ship. They don't realize it, but I've, I've basically hacked into their systems. Uh, and one of the sentences that was said was Zeta was like, wow, these guys are really strong. And I forget who, I think it's like Hermit or something's like, yeah, it's all thanks to the training you gave him in the last world. And that is what Mueller needs to be like, the last world. Oh, yes, time, space, paradoxes. I could perhaps travel worlds. I have the gravity power. I have the antimatter bombs. Just, just mysterious ether component I don't know about. And then he's like, ah, it's her. Ah, it's her. And uh, he looks at Rebecca and he realizes it's St. Fire Knox's daughter. It's her ether. He's like, ah, yes, I need her, basically. And then I will have the ability to rule over time and to travel the universes. Everything will be fine. So he hacks into Rebecca's ship in particular. has a little voice modulator on to mimic Shiki's voice. And it's like, hey, you're going to join the mission, too. But I'm going to have you take a secret path. So meet me there. The chapter sets are back being like, okie dokie. Yep. The best part of this chapter is that Mueller's coffee mug uh, has the uh, chemical formula for aspirin on it. Do you like that? So That's about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't hate this chapter. It's just, it's a giant space battle, which isn't particularly interesting. Yeah. Like, it's really hard to capture exciting space battles when heroes already not super great at creating compelling action scenes and so. he did insist on putting all of the girls in the darling and the franks cockpit so that they're leaning forward and their tight outfits and stuff and it's like all right okay yeah here, here we go it's it, I, I don't want to i have i have very little to say so i think it's fine to move on it, 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 yeah, was, a, yeah. it was a space battle chapter <laughs> it was a space battle chapter miller miller figuring out like oh they're they're looping through time and i want to do that it's like all right well at least something's happening so. Nick, do you think he's going to be intimidating threat, or do you think he's going to be beaten in a week? Uh, given the impression that he gave off in this chapter, <laughs> I don't really have high hopes for him. So, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go to Akana Banashi Story 64. This is so stupid. <laughs> Not Akane Banashi. That's the name of the title. That's the title of the chapter. Uh, so... Uh, which, by the way, there's a very cute, fashionable Akane on a scooter <laughs> as the cover for this chapter. It's got nothing to do with what happens in it, but it's it's it's, it's funky. 
So the uh, the critic uh, that was that is one of the judges uh, for the uh, the test uh, is, is reacting with that sentiment of this is so stupid as he is watching Kaichi's performance. And he's just thinking like, you know, look, Rakugo has all this tradition steeped in it. You're just a Zenza who ha- is taking all the work that's been passed down to you and you're rearranging it to your own liking. You're making light of that proud tradition. So Kaichi, you know, he's he's going through his uh, story about Yotaro, the the uh, the bumbling kind of guy who uh, is is working at, at a shop and uh, it gets to a point in the story where a visitor comes in and the visitor says, you see, I'm here for an errand for a fella named Sakichi Kagai and Nakabashi. Hey, old man, I'm here to confirm seven items that your broker Yachi purchased in your name, specifically Wakazashi with decorative pieces by Yujo, Sojo, and Kojo, and the hip hop. No- he goes into this mm-hmm. long thing in uh, a Kansai accent, and there's just this sudden shocked silence from the audience after he's gone through this as he, he's going through all this stuff. And you see the thing here about this thing is that it's not actually, it's not actually the thing that he says it was made of. It's made of something much, much cheaper. And it's just that kind of thing. And everyone's just Nick, sitting there in stunned silence. A rock of coca. Uh, no, okay. uh, <laughs> my knees would get still. You're like, I, I was going to say, I was like the sitting is honestly the only thing stopping me. <laughs> it's, I don't really want to sit on my knees that long. Nope. Uh, and so one of the other judges that is sitting at the panel thinks to himself that that he just launched into is the real draw of this story. Uh, and uh, as it goes in, like, you know, there's a chance for Kaichi to repeat it because like the, the someone else in the shop comes in and the, the merchants repeating it. And they there's this explanation that so there's this long esoteric message and it's in thick Kansai dialect, and he has to say it several times. And the message is kind of hard to decipher, but really it just boils down to its, its business talk. And since Kaichi is a talented businessman, and he's the one delivering the speech, it's this deadly weapon. He just uses, he it, goes at it like it's a business discussion. And we have this little shifting collage of Kaichi going through the emotions of this guy who's like, you know, interacting with different times. And to see the thing about this one is it's, is it's also a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, that, that kind of thing. And we cut from that into a flashback from Kaichi's perspective of when he was working as a salesman and how he started to lose enthusiasm for it because instead of matching what uh, the customer needed and wanted, uh, he would have to push products that he knew were not actually up to snuff because they needed to hit certain quotas. Mm. Uh, and so it made him feel, you know, hollow inside as a result of doing that. This is why I can't be a salesman, by the no. way, is, I, is that like someone tries to buy something. It's like, so is this really good? I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I, I had a little bit of that when I worked at Fuzzy Wall was just like you'd run into situations so where somebody would be like, what's this product look like? I'm like, not that great. It's shit. It's <laughs> you shit could, yeah. I would spend $20 more and just get a real version or whatever, yeah. you know. That's why they say the best sales people are those who believe in their product. So, because you don't have to do that. So, uh, and you know, although he was successful and he was like, Oh, he was always being told like, Oh my God, you made the sale. Kaichi. Great, great, great job. Actually, his name wasn't Kaichi at the time. Importantly, 
but he just says the fact that I was getting praised for lying just made me feel even worse about it. And I just wanted to have a product that could sell to a customer that I could say with all my heart, this is the best. And then he got some tickets from his boss, uh, which shows like, oh, yeah, you know, my business partner got these, but he but uh, had to back out. So here you take him. And he went to go see Isho Arakawa perform. And he says, I had an encounter with a product that was worth betting my life on. And seemingly straight away after going to see the show, Kaichi went to Isho Arakawa, uh, who was like, oh, so you want to please the audience before you. Everyone knocks on my door hoping to do the same. And most of them give up and quit. Making others laugh can mean leading a life without laughter for yourself. Which is a depressing sentiment. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that, yes. But uh, he says, are you determined to survive and not let that break your spirit? Kaichi, no hesitation. I am. And so Isho says, to put good outcomes first and foremost, I give you the stage name of Kaichi, the kanji for joyous and one. If you do anything to betray this moniker, I will expel you. Live up to your name, Kaichi Arakawa. Be a comedian! <laughs> I love Tedder lives. Like, is that how it feels for you, Quint? That was definitely a point in my life where I was like, I, I'm only supposed to make others laugh. I'm not supposed to really enjoy my life. <laughs> that's what. That's insane things. It's all about the craft. Uh, yeah, I do love this, like, very serious conversation about, like, you shall be a comedian called... Yuckles McCarthy or whatever. It's just because it's like kind of like a silly name. Like that's the thing. Like it's it's like a stage name, so it's a little silly. Oh man. Uh, and now Kaichi is performing, and he is thriving because he realizes like all this enjoyment that my audience is feeling—the smiles, the laughter. It's all like legitimate. I actually earned this, and it's game my blood pumping. This is the best. Uh, and, you know, so the judge knowing like, you know, like, look, he's got, you know, perfect rhythm and enunciation and projection. And it's not just that he has practiced this. He's just has that desire to entertain and also a strong, sturdy core at the center of everything he does. Uh, and the journalist, meanwhile, the, the critic is watching all this thing like, Look, just because he's being earnest while he's doing this, it doesn't mean that he's not spoiling the work of those that came before him. But then again, it's not often you see a man so dedicated to his audience. And as he's, you know, leading up to a big finale and he just ribbits, Shikaichi <laughs> ribbits as part of the performance, uh, the critic is like, mm. Ah, this is so stupid. He's, yeah. he's he says oh. it, you know, like with through this through this like kind of resentful grin, and that's such a great you know way to bookend the chapter, beginning with like this suck, this is so stupid, and ending with this is so stupid. And I and I've 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 made that switch on a few things in the past before, and I totally get that feeling, and it's a great feeling. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's just a great self-contained chapter right here that's it's literally how like my first orange casting match went where i was like this is so <laughs> dumb and then by the end you're like yes this is so dumb <laughs> it's a great feeling 
Uh, really, really good chapter. I mean, this is, I, I, I guess I explained before, like, I'm more interested in Kaichi than any one of, of uh, Akane's other, like, rivals. And this chapter really kind of go, goes to show why, I guess, because he has a much more sort of, like, interesting philosophy and backstory, I think, than quite a few of our other uh, rivals have. And uh, he looked really, really cool in this chapter, just so silly and, and goofy. And I do love the turnabout of the, the stuffy critic going from like, oh, this is so dumb. Just be like, all right, this is pretty dumb, but it's fun. <laughs> I, I, I think I might be having a little bit of a good time. It's great. Yeah. All right. And let's talk about blue box. Uh, Nothing happened. Now. We could just skip it. Nothing <laughs> happened at all of relevance. <laughs> Nothing important happened. Next week, maybe uh, they'll do something funny. They'll go play Batman. <laughs> uh, chapter 103. I need to tell you something. Oh? Uh, oh, the chapter. Yeah, okay, that's the chapter title. Yeah, it's the chapter title. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Uh, so we begin uh, with Chinatsu and her family, where we left off, where they were going out to the frozen lake to do some like ice fishing. There's just kind of a you know quiet, cute little moment where they're trying to ice fish and they're like we're not getting any bites <laughs> nothing's happening uh so they kind of give up and they're like all right well i guess if we're not getting anything oh well uh and uh, then also on top of that it start it's starting to snow and so they're like all right well we, we should we should get going and get back to the house uh taiki is racing to try and get there so he can see you not to literally is like oh no the next bus is until 30 minutes and then he just starts runs running. instead Yep, starts hoofing it through the snow, uh, get as a point where he stops to tug the scarf off and catch his breath. Uh, Chinatsu uh, and family have gotten in the car, and they're leaving Konami Lake. And Taiki didn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. And Chinatsu gets a call from Taiki on her phone because, <laughs> God damn it, sometimes characters in rom coms need to remember we have cell phones, we can communicate over long distances, we have the ability to talk to one another to avoid misunderstandings. <laughs> and Taiki just calls her up, and when she answers, he's just like, Where are you right now? And uh, she's like, What? I just got dropped off near Konami Lake. So if you're still there, and Chinatsu immediately gets leans up towards her grandpa who's driving and says, stop the car. I, I got to do something. I, I, I got to go back. And she gets out of the car, and she says to Taiki over the phone, I'm still here. I'll wait for you at the lake. I'll be waiting. And uh, she rushes back, and they end the call. And as, like, we see, we followed Chinatsu for a moment as, like, sh- this is like kind of a desperate thing for her. Like she really wants to see Taiki as well. And she rushes back. Taiki rushes back as well. Like, boy, those, those shoes can't be built for running through the snow like that. That's not good. Uh, he gets to the lake. He's huffing and puffing. He's out of breath. Uh, blood's rushed to his face. And, but he gets to the path to the lake. And Chinatsu has wandered out and is standing on the, on the lake, looking around for him. And she turns and sees him. And he rushes towards her and he, and he slips as he's like getting down off the dock and kind of stumbles and she, and she grabs him like as they both kind of like kneel down in the snow on top of the ice. And uh, she, there's a brief pause and she not just says, what are you doing here? And Taiki just says, I need to tell you something. The pause. They stare at each other. And they're both just, blushing, they're just like, oh. 
And finally, Taiki says, I like you. I like you a lot, Junatsu Senpai. And that's our chapter. It happened. Hey. <laughs> he got the feelings out. He did it. They're very good. Uh, this is such a good chapter. This is so sweet. It's so earnest and beautiful. It is, you know, a cliche. Like, we have to run to catch each other. But it's done in a smart way. It just feels dramatic and exhilarating in the ways you absolutely want this moment to be. I love the vibe of this, like, cold, you know, very early morning kind of moment. Um, it's great. I do have anxiety. I know they established that you can stand on this lake and it's fine, but there is a part of me that's like, get off the lake, you fools. No, the heat of your love will make you sink. Yeah. Ah! Uh, but this is such an extraordinarily satisfying moment. The art's on point. The pacing's on point. This is like just a beautiful, wonderful chapter all the way through. Yeah. And uh, we'll find out what happens from here. Like, I'm not interested so... after this. This is this is. I'm dropping off after this point. I'm so excited, honestly, oh, to find okay. out what happens next. Because yeah, I mean, excited. like, you know, like we know basically that Shinatsu fully likes Taiki back. Uh, so, you know, are they? What's going to happen now that he has confessed to her? Are they going to try out dating? If they do. How is that going to affect things? Like, would, are they going to, like, tell anyone? Are they going to try and keep it a secret, considering the fact that in a week or so after this, they're going to have to go back to living under the same roof, or at least that was the plan initially? Uh, what kind of complications are going to arise in, in terms of that? So there's a lot to be like, well, what's going to happen now, now that we are past the point of, like, what are you kids are going to fucking say that you like each other? Uh, there's so much more complicated stuff now beyond that to make things interesting, which is the thing that so many romance stories don't understand is that there are interesting stories to tell after the couple decides to get the feelings out. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out more la later. Let's let's move on though. There's not a whole lot to talk about in the chapter beyond that because it's really just like a very beautifully built up single moment. So. Yes. Cypher Academy! Morg! Morg, 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 Guys, it's chapter 26 of Cypher Academy. The early bird gets the coat. Now it's almost tame in comparison to most of the ones we did. I'm like, yeah, no, at this point, the early bird gets the coat. I get it. Yeah, sure. It's time for a grade-wide code battle. Oh, well, uh, in for a code, in in for a, a war, in for a code, or something like that. Like you know, just like take take a code, leave a code, something like just put every uh, phrase and just put a code in there somewhere. So it's uh, a bit of a what was it? What was it called? A gourmet battle royal or whatever it was from the the team Shokugeki. Uh, yeah. which uh, is there's five representatives from each class in each of these rounds and uh, it's best three of five. So uh, Iroha's team consists of Team Toshisai and uh, Shutan the bandage girl. Uh -huh. Why? We'll, we'll explain uh -huh. shortly. So they're going up against Team E. 
which uh, only the only one that we see present is Shitai Kubinashi. Uh, there's no other representatives there. As she now has, I don't know if we saw this before. Her cane has a fucking giant hook on yeah. it. There's <laughs> a goddamn <laughs> sickle on it. It's it's wild. She's 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 uh, auditioning for a Marvel villain at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Uroha says, well, Kubinashi-san, where are your other teammates? And she says, unlike your indiscriminate decoding class, my class E specializes in undercover operations. My forward has already respectfully infiltrated this hall. And, oh, it's a new question. Two-star difficulty. Where is the infiltrator? Ooh. Uh, we see also that their instructors are hanging out in the bleachers, and they're just kind of like, you know, trash-talking a little bit. And then we get a flashback to a few days earlier where Iraha was trying to figure out how they should have their team from the class represented. And the way of going about this was to have Ensa draw up a power structure map, mm-hmm. which essentially is a relationship map where like there's, you know, different like students together. And it's like, OK, here's circles with kind of like bonds around people. And it's like, okay, there's kind of a cute note, which is that Ensa has, like, circled her and Iroha a couple times, like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> They're really cute friends. It's very cute. Uh, I did have one point. It's like, there's different colored circles, like the the stronger lines for factions, but the, the, the other lines is for gets along well. And there's one around, I don't remember the person, the bandana character and an uh, entity son. And they're they're circled under gets along well, but the band uh, 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 bandana person is in a group of free agents. And I was like, what the fuck is anonymity said that <laughs> she belongs to a whole other group of like mercenaries? You know, it's it's like uh, it's like the main team on uh, in uh, in New Japan. You know, it's it's just like you know the the faction is just all the good guys who aren't in any other faction. Oh, but is then that, is if- that a faction? Yes, uh, it's uh, what's what's it called? Hang on, it's um, uh, oh god, it was it tended to be associated with the guy. Oh, it's it, the name's escaping me at the moment. But yeah, like so generally, like if there was just a good a good guy, because you know New Japan has a bunch of like team matches on every show, so that so that you can have like just a bunch of people included on the card, and they don't have to all get really super tired and beaten up because there's a bunch of them in a single match. Uh, so you have to have a lot of, you know, faction mates. Some people are not explicitly in factions. They're just the general good guys and the general good guys will just team up with each other or sometimes with the other good guy, good guy members of factions. But like John Moxley, for example, would typically not be a good guy Uh, in New Japan. He's a rogue agent, so he would not be included amongst just all the general good guys. Uh, So there you go. Anonymity-san is John Moxley in New Japan. uh, You know what? That's absolutely all I needed to hear. Anonymity-san is John Moxley, and I get it now. Mm. Uh, But uh, do you think she's going to join her own Blackpool Combat Club? (laughs) It's just a bunch of people who... Have like glasses, and then they take them off, and they're like, "Oh, what's your character now? I don't really understand now that you've stopped doing your gimmick." Uh, I'm gonna beat you up. That's my character. Uh, I don't know if this. I don't know if you need to bleed in this match. We're going to. Gonna do it. Gonna do it. Uh, so um, there's these factions divide up according to this map of things. And uh, so Iroha says, okay, well, we're going to save Yosemura-san and Anamini-san for later. 
basically like he's trying to determine like a lineup for the first round that they're going to do this i guess because every single member of the class has to participate maybe in these interclass in this interclass tournament uh so his first idea for a lineup is like okay we'll have super long name girl be the second and uh botayama be in there and nohime and toshisai uh and it's like, yeah, so I'll select like one person from each faction for the first round like this. And then we'll just, you know, get everyone involved this way. Toshisai comes in to this meeting and she snatches up the, the, she the snatches map. She snatches it up in this, this weird map. way. Grab it. Like, yeah. mm, no. But uh, <laughs> so, I, I'm very distracted from the rest of the conversation because Ensa in the background rolls up the, the fucking map afterwards with her like hands and sleeve hands. Uh, Bayura says, like, hey, under normal circumstances, I would have actually probably gone for this exact lineup. But for this battle, can you switch it out so that it's me with Shutan, Tayu, and y- y- and Yuka? And Yura says, like, I mean, that's going to change literally the, the entire lineup. And why do you want Shutan, you know, I mean, Yutaba involved? Uh, she's, as far as I know, not really related to you. And so she I just pause for a minute and just says, please mm. and it's like oh so there's a shocked moment from ensa and and from Kuro that she was just like very very like polite and quiet about it and he says like all right look you know i'd never ignore a request from you even if you didn't say something like that but hey also if it means i get to add her to her team then it'll be a dream come true so we cut to the present and so Kubinashi says, what, you can't find my ally? In that case, is it safe to say that we win by default? And Hiro's like, there's not anyone hidden here. You're just trying to get an easy win by saying that. And Kubinashi's like, oh, really? Is Hokiboshi, the forward from Class C, really hiding this hall or not? Let's make it a bet then. And then Hiro starts to go, well, that's element. And Hiroha comes running into the, through the door. <laughs> I love this line. For some reason, five people challenged me to a code battle in a row in the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) What a line. Just the big Pokemon, uh, our eyes met, battle rules kicked in. Mm -hmm. And Niroa comes in. All all the people on his team turn to look at him like, what took you so long, basically? (laughs) And Niroa looks at himself and... Then it's like, all right, I guess the jig's up. The fake Iroha wipes off the makeup and reveals themselves as Hokiboshi, the forwards. Like, oh, I was in disguise. It looks so <laughs> it's like, cool. It's like, all right. So she's immediately like completely unperturbed that their little gambit didn't work out at all. And it's like, all right, fine. We'll begin the forward battle then. Sit down, Irohazaka-kun. I must caution you against treating me like the five who were meant to slow you down. It's like, all right, so we're supposed to just believe you're intimidating because you disguise yourself as Iroha, but you got everything backwards, like his hair ornaments were on the wrong side and stuff. Okay. So uh, Iroha's like, well, fine. Oh, uh, me, the real Irohozaka will win this. Uh, and instead, Taiyu steps forward and is like, yeah, take a rest. This, this, this is my specialty. Uh, and... Uh, Immediately also, she sits goes, down into the fucking the the trademark like yeah. I'm about to haunt your goddamn dreams pose. Yep. Uh, I also like that she notes as while well, this is happening, it's like you know you're allowed to refuse code battles, right? 
so yeah, you got to sits down in her in her cocky pose uh, to take on uh, Hokiboshi, and uh, who, who's like, ah, are you annoyed at how perfectly deceived you were? And Yugata says, I mean, I let you continue your ruse on purpose because I kind of thought it was really artistic how you kept on acting when you thought that you had us all duped. It's like, I don't really know who to believe, and I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. So, fine. Uh, so, Ikebush is like, whatever. I hear that you're skilled at puzzle rings. How about I code battle with these? Uh, 3D Tetris pieces get brought out. They will assemble into a cube. It's considered a four-star difficulty, which I feel kind of upset about. We'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Uh, she refers to it as a cube clock, where there are nine letters written on six faces of cubes created from blocks. It's a time attack battle, where the winner is whoever can answer the fir- first answer the question posed by the sentence created from the 54 letters. And uh, so... Or I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, I've kind of done puzzles like that because, you know, you, you, you just have to, like, a, make a cube out of the shapes. That's kind of easy, right? And Toshisai says, there are 240 different patterns you can use to create a cube. But because there's a message on the outer sides of it, it limits the number of correct patterns to just one. Uh, so or I was like, well, but then what But one would be easy for, for the it's not going to be easy for the opponent, though, right? Uh, and Toshisai says, well, I don't know, because according to Kagoe, Hokiboshi is skilled enough that she would have definitely been scouted by the Nohime family if she was in Class A, and it would have been for twice the price that you were scouted for, Iroha. Uh, and their Class E teacher is like, yeah, hmm, I've created this puzzle for us. I really want Borg to become the power scale of this series. Like, you were scouted for 100 million more, but this person is a 200 million more character. They're like, that's so many more morgues! So many morgues! And then you find out that, like, actually, I did the conversion. It's worth about $30 more. <laughs> uh, he's turning into a Super Morgan! <laughs> so, uh... You got to just react to this because I was like, hmm, difficult rules. And Hokey Bush says, oh, come on. Don't tell me you can't even understand the rules. And you got to says, no, 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 you don't get it. And she has taken her little key and lock puzzle apart in one hand and says, what I meant was, it'll be hard to hurt you. It'll be hard to win without hurting you under these rules. <laughs> and Hokey Bush is like, huh? it really st- <laughs> the, the background starts shattering. And to be clear, Hokey Bushy ba- has not put down the cover for the puzzle cubes pieces <laughs> when she says this and the screen shatters through her head as she has solved the puzzle just written it down on a piece of paper and walked away it's so fucking extra this, it's like she just got fucking her brain exploded that's how intense this person figured out her puzzle so quickly was mind crush uh, the riddle of the question if you arrange out the pieces is indigo, indigo and purple are two colors that are in a rainbow but not on a Rubik's Cube what is the color that's on a Rubik's Cube but it's not in a rainbow and if you go by standard coloring of a six-sided Rubik's Cube the answer is white uh, so that's it and you can here's the kicker though she didn't put the cube together to solve this she just looked at the pieces where they lay didn't touch any of them 
And because of where the pieces were lying, she could not have seen more than about half the total letters in order to figure out what the characters were and how they were arranged. I love, I love it. Because Aroka, Aroha's just like, you showed her half? You showed her half? What are you doing? You're a fucking mad person. Uh, and there's a cool badass moment where you guys is like, it's true that I was lying about letting you continue your ruse on purpose. I should have expected no less from Class C. Your mimicry really is something else. Try mimicking me next time. So if you can. Cool. It's so <laughs> motherfucking cool. I look, Kaichi is my character of the week, and it is an extraordinarily cool moment, but this is so fucking badass. I legitimately considered giving it to her instead. I like this is like a fucking uh it's Pride Month. It cuts hair away. <laughs> We're allowed to be a little vulgar. Uh, it's so cool. It's such a cool fucking moment. Yeah. So, and, oh, and you got to has a fucking full on title now, which I don't know if it was actually given to her before, but it's the trauma creator. <laughs> Just Jesus Christ. And I love that she's oblivious to it all. Like, what did I do? <laughs> in her mind, she's going to leave this and be like, why does she look so angry? And everyone's going to be like, she fucking destroyed her brain, dude. You keep doing this. Uh, yeah, you got it as a badass, uh, and I I love it that that's just like a very consistent thing. It's it's just been a really nice thing, like since we first had her match up with Iroha. That's just like no, you got just fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> this, this gets constantly brought it's up. Just, it's just extraordinarily like, yeah. fucking cool. Quinn, new sexorcist. <laughs> uh wow already is it my birthday oh it's his pride month it's a pride month gift mm. from uh weekly show to jump to me more sexorcism new it, but it's a new sexorcism it's a whole it's new, a sexorcism. new sexorcism yeah it's a it's whole terrible. new sexorcism that we're living through new <laughs> sexorcist da, 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 da. I thought you were doing I thought you were doing Aladdin at first and I was like, that's not the beat. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, okay. Pokemon Johto, Pokemon. Nick, it's a classic. For now, do, 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 do. No, 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 do, uh, do, do. <laughs> All right. Chapter four of New Sexorcist Senpai's Soul Gear. Uh we get a brief overview of what exorcists fucking do uh, and how, like, there's not a whole lot of spirits left in Japan because exorcists are apparently good at their jobs, except for here in Kagaria City, because there's a whole lot of, uh, of emergencies here that use memory modifications up to help people out. And yeah, so our, uh, uh, our senpai uh, is like, yeah, so I'm an exorcist. Nice to meet you properly and stuff. Uh, and yeah, so... The whole thing with the spirit attack in the in the first year's classroom, you know, in chapter one, you weren't supposed to know about that because your memory should have gotten wiped. So, oh, well, yeah, I'll just whatever. I'll just drop it for now. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> but she says the spirit was defeated before the exorcist arrived. So I guess you did that, right? And, he's, he's, and uh, Gakuro says, yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, OK. So you've been defeating the very spirits around the school. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder you fell for that trap so easily. It turns out that when he rescued her, quote unquote, from that spirit, when they first met each other in the previous chapter, that was just kind of like a lure for whoever was defeating the spirits. And it worked. Uh -huh. Hey, you're a gullible, you're a gullible fool, Gakuro. So she says, so how do you have that, all that power then? 
And Gakra says, Oh, my, 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 my sister who's not related by blood gave it to me. <laughs> this shit again. <laughs> yeah, so Nui bursts in as he's about to literally just say, Nui gave it to me. And Gak and instead she bursts in and is like, Gakuro, you're supposed to be in the classroom. I'm Gakuro's sister, Sayako. And uh, New Senpai is like, You've got a sister? Oh, wow. And she's so fucking hot. She's so yeah. fucking cool. I mean, you say that, and yeah, she says that. <laughs> she's, she, she's like, so wow, I, I just wish you guys weren't related by blood. He's like, well, I've got, I've got, I'm going to blow your mind right now. <laughs> We're actually not. <laughs> oh, lucky. Yeah, it's just her like, nice, 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 nice. Ah, so good, so high. <laughs> so, and it's like, it's so weird, like, because... It would almost be less Run. weird if she said that. Runs, runs to a computer, types sibling, not related by blood, but fucking, and then love. I'm pretty sure that is just the title of, 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 a, of a porn in Japan. Uh, anyway, so there's a beat, and then literally Senpai just turns to Gakuro and just closed fist pounds him in the shoulder and goes your sister's hot dude like what the says it in front of her too it's a very bold in front note. of her i can understand the idea you're just like wow she's really beautiful i guess that is a thing people do say it's just because of the tone this series has already established it comes off creepy it wouldn't be so weird if she looked at new and said oh wow you're re- you're really pretty it's the fact that she turns to Gakuro and without attempting to hide it says, wow, your sister's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's like the certain, the way it's executed will really establish how creepy this scene would be in, in, in person. Uh, Gakuro starts to refer to as Nui, and but she mentally talk, she, she messages him to use the D&D parlance and says, like, yeah, look, I'm a spirit. Don't refer to me as that. Exorcists aren't going to like me. So sorry for not telling you that earlier, but look, just claim that you were born with the power. Off screen, Gakura says, I was born with the power. I got it from my dad before he died. Uh, and <laughs> Senpai is like, oh, I see. Okay. And then Nui is like, what are you guys doing here? We're starting an occult club. Okay. Can I offer you a lead? What rich that dialogue happens. this is! Like it, it didn't really strike me as you were doing it, but it is all these things. It just very does feel very stilted right now. Uh, and so she gives them a lead off screen, I guess. Uh-huh. And uh, then Nui leaves, and she's like, "Could be home by dinner, Gakuro." And then Senpai's like, "It's so nice that you have a sister." What? Okay. <laughs> all right. <And> just like. <laughs> Because she's responsible, because she seems to look out for me, just because she exists. Like, what do you mean by so nice? Because that she's having- not related by blood. <laughs> she's like, that's the key element here. If you're related by blood, it'd be weird. But you're not, so it's beautiful. <sighs> so she's like, all right, let's go to that place that your sister mentioned off panel. There might be spirits there. Uh, and Gakuro says, Oh, you mean the whole there are sounds coming from the third floor of the West Ring thing? Yes, you were both present for that conversation. We weren't. You know what would have solved this awkward bit of dialogue? If we had been present when Nui told them about it. I don't know why we had to cut here. 
So, so Gakuro says, isn't that floor empty? And Senpai says, that's right. This school has way more classrooms than it needs, which is not the first time that this has been said of the school. So it does seem to be gigantic with a bunch of empty rooms, but like the building itself doesn't seem to be gigantic. Maybe there's right. like really solid uh, classes. Uh, I I can only assume that this is going to like be something that is actually important about Whoa. the school as a source of spirits. Hold maybe. on, Nick. Are you implying that they are going to do uh, some kind of lore and world building in this manga? Well, that's the thing. I think that might be a very bold prediction to make, Quinn. <laughs> so, I was going to say that was what I would th- what I would think normally, but I don't know about this for this manga. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Senpai transforms to be in her uh, exorcist uniform, which is very cyberpunky honestly like way more modern than i was expecting uh and she's got like a spirit weapon thing which is just circles that are just kind of hovering by her ankles uh you don't, you don't like uh lena lee's new outfit it or, looks like lena lee's yeah, outfit yes. i legit i was like i too like lena lee's outfit from d gray man <laughs> new sexist Except it's, uh, hang on, let me take a look. Well, it's also uh, focused on her legs. It's leg-based superpower form. Let me, I want to make reference to this real quick. Yeah, Lendley's outfit is also just, like, more detailed and interesting to look at because she's just got, like, a t-shirt on (laughs) underneath the jacket, which is cropped in a very unusual way that seems to change from panel to panel. Like, the, the lower part of her jacket seems to like cut off at a different point every time that it's drawn and yes her legs are very long uh so uh Gakura says like how'd you make those clothes appear and, and she says like <laughs> what it's soul gear it's like yeah i don't know what that is every time i use my spirit powers i get naked it's very uncomfortable i get embarrassed i'm so. scared <laughs> So are uh, we dating? (laughs) (laughs) No, your your sister who's not related by blood is dating. (laughs) Obviously, hooray! (laughs) That's what Dewey has to come be like. We're not. What are you talking? We're not. (laughs) I get confused easily. I just believe things that people tell me. (laughs) Why are we here to like the fucking haunted room? You were the one who brought it up to me to clear. Why are you doing this? Oh, I don't know. I just get nervous when my sister Nui is involved. I'm not actually your sister. That's our cover story. <laughs> His also, eyes go wide. Also, don't call me Nui. That's not my undercover <laughs> name. I'm not related by blood sister. <laughs> so, uh, Senpai says that in addition to being fan servicey, it also will hide their presence from people who can't send spirits, I guess. And Gaku goes, I had no idea. And then she gets like, just kind of like stares at him. And then for whatever reason, teleports to the other side of him and goes, Yajima! Give me your hand. What a, what a strange decision to teleport to happening? the other side of him like that. Because she then teleports to, to, to in front of him too. Like, I don't know if she just like circles around him really quickly or what. She's really like, fast in this form, Nick. Or she I has guess. like super speed wheels. 
So she says to him, like, you, you should preserve your power because you've, like, fought twice today. Does not become relevant later. Uh, and uh, so so she says, like, oh, and since you're holding my hand and I'm in this form, uh, it'll hide your presence. So we'll just, you know, like, go invisibly to the third floor. We don't see them go past anyone at all. Uh, so this power is completely irrelevant, really. Uh, and then Gakura goes, oh, I'm sorry, my hands are sweaty. You should let go. And she says, you have such a beautiful big sister, and yet you're this nervous? Again, like, <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> about this? Uh, they get there. There is a legit kind of cool looking spirit there. It's just a weird raggedy cloak that's got a bunch of like hand legs extending out of it because it's like a bunch of spirits that have combined with each other uh, into a more powerful spirit. Uh, and uh, Senpai says like, yeah, there's usually not this many spirits uh, all, that combine together. So you don't actually see level two spirits all that often. And the spirit comes after them. And it shoves Gakuro's face into Senpai's boobs. No, no, wait. She picks him up and carries him to safety. She races around and dodges it. Zoom, zoom. And she says, it's very important that I keep you right here with your nose in my boob. For some reason. Yeah. For so long. It, just... Once his, fa once his uh, face is pressed into her breasts, it stays there essentially for the rest of the chapter. It is not a temporary condition where he just happens to land that spot and then they like adjust. No, he's just like attached there. There's like five or six different panels of him being like, ah, like half his face and the rest of it underneath breast. It's, it's very weird. And there's like no attention drawn to it by like his expressions or the dialogue or anything. He just like, you're like, oh, wow, she's like standing on the air. Yeah. It okay. just makes it weird because you're like, why wouldn't you move then, dude? <laughs> like, why are you pushing, allowing yourself to be pressed in exactly this position? Because we're dating. No, that's no, we're not. Once again, again no, we're not. You're dating your sister. <laughs> what? No, that's gross. But you're not related by blood. That's beautiful. <laughs> Who's my sister again? Her. Oh, that's not my, my sister. That's the spirit who gave me my powers. What? My sister who's not related by blood. Sorry, I get confused. Her name's Nui. <laughs> She's my dad who's dead. <laughs> oh, no. He's just broken. He's just repeating. He's like a doll that only has a couple lines wait, and you pulled the string so many times. Wait, who, who is she? She's a level two spirit. Like 16 spirits pile on top of each other. And she's trying to kill us right now. No, that's that's the reason I put you in my boobs to carry you around. <laughs> So much lore to this. Wow. Uh, eventually, Senpai gets to what seems like a safe distance, and the spirit starts to just walk away from them. And Gakuro's like, it's getting away. And she puts him down and races after it and whoosh and cuts off its escape and starts attacking it. Uh, and it starts to run away again. She uses a technique of some sort to like put spikes up in its path. And then Gakura's like, oh, now I can do something. And Senpai tries to go, oh, no, it's escaping through the window. And I haven't given any Yajima any uh, instructions. And then Yajima's already jumping out the other window. And he's like, I got it. Catch me, please. And he de defeats the spirit, the stronger spirit with his diminished power from having fought twice already. It's just, it goes down like all the rest of them. In fact, he defeats it the same way he defeated another spirit, by jumping out the window and slashing it. So, okay. Cool. It's a super strong spirit, guys. And uh, he beats it, 
And uh, then we get a flashback to hours, not a flashback, a flash forward to hours later, where Senpai's giving a report to older exorcist guy. Uh, he, and uh, he says like, oh, so he has he's a normal person born with the power to defeat spirits? I suppose it's possible. We need to send reinforcements, but given we're facing a labor shortage, we can't. And so Senpai says, well, then can I partner up with him to defeat spirits in the meantime? I've got a suppression quota to reach to. And he's like, oh, that's an unusual proposal, but okay. I don't know wow. why his face gets so long in that last part. He's like, is that so then? Good luck. But like his his chin is extending further and further down. Uh, yeah, well, let's wrap this up. I, have a, I, I do have something I need to point out about this chapter, but let's... let's... Uh, senpai caught, caught Yajima. Uh, and, and pushes, he, she's pushes like, his face back into her boob. Right in the boobs. And she says, you pass! What do I pass? It's a secret. Cool. Okay. What a great conversation these characters have had. Um, New I says exorcists are strong now. <laughs> we have had four chapters, Nick. Four chapters in this series. Twice. Uh, New A has ended a chapter by jumping out a window and, and killing a spirit. Uh, I understand that you're in a school. There's only, only so many dynamic action set pieces you can work with but it, it it does feel like you had one trick and you're already just like oh, fuck 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 i did the window thing already i need something else i'll be screwed if they ever get to a point into a room with no windows <laughs> yeah it's, it's i'll have to have them jump out through the roof yeah i just i that would be great if every chapter he <laughs> he fights a monster i pushing him out a window and striking them it's like it's like looped power rangers footage <laughs> That's the end of the fight. That's the same way every single time. Got I gotta fight them in the rock quarry. I don't know what else you do. Yeah. Uh. God. This is just <laughs> not great. But okay. Oh well. It's Quinn. dumb, but maybe something will come. In. But I do think that mm. we are reaching like negative levels of world building at this point. Like <laughs> it feels like so little. Like it feels like a lot of creativity went from like. When a bunch of Lego level one spirits join together, they become a level two. And I don't know. And so much stronger. Yeah. And then the the author at that point was like, whoo, that was a lot of work. All right. I think we're ready to send this one in because there's no other world. I know nothing about this town. I know nothing about why it's the only place that spirits uh, like exist at this point. I don't really know much about this exorcist organization. I don't know anything about Nui. I don't know anything about this world. Because all we do is fight in classrooms over and over again. And that's it. Yeah. Like, if you've got like some good ideas to keep things engaging and interesting in the meantime, then yes, you can hold off on that stuff. But this stuff that we're getting currently is so incredibly basic and awkward. And I don't mean awkward in the sense that they keep on bringing up that Nue, who everyone thinks is Gakuro's sister, is hot. Uh, and so they're acting like, why are you acting this way when you've got a hot sister? It's such weird logic. I mean, the way things are paced, the things that we show versus don't show, the way things there are explained or not explained is all very weird and off-putting every time that I read a chapter of this. And I don't understand why things are being done the way that they are. Moving on. All it's right. Tenmaku Cinema Chapter 8. And one line. Action. Oh, I like it. I like there you it. Go. Oh. 
One line stage direction is the name of our chapter, or sorry, our scene, because it's scene eight. Last time we established that Hajime wanted to set up a uh, an extra shot for uh, their stuff at the school. And I love just the very, very beginning of this, where uh, the crew are just hiding in the bushes, and there's just a little sound effect as they're creeping around corners of the sneak, sneak. <laughs> it's just cute. Yeah. Uh, we get a flashback to explain like what they're trying to do. Uh, it's it's not all that surprising given the context of what we had before, but Hajime just says like, "Look, I want us to get a strong impression of the character of Nagisa from the very beginning. So let's film her with the other students going to school and cut to her expression. And I need those additional shots. And of course, everyone's bringing up the point of like." Hajime, we're doing like guerrilla filmmaking right now. We don't have permission to shoot stuff at the school. And it's one thing to do that when we're doing it while nobody's here. But if we do it while everyone's crowded around, everyone's going to see you shooting Kurai. If there are other students in the shot, then we don't have permission to use their faces. Like there's so many problems that we have to face. We And we might not get to finish the movie because they'll shut us down for doing stuff that way. And Hajime is just like caught up in, in things. He's turned to Karai and is like, hey, how 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 would Nagisa walk in this scene? And Karai is like, ah, oh, well, she would do this. She's immediately like immersed in the character is playing out. They're playing out what to do. Uh, and they're just barging forward with this. And fortunately, Hajime has a plan, which is like, okay, I've got positions for everyone. And I've got roles for everyone. And when I give the signal, we'll do this. And they use their phones. It's the second time that the youth today uses their These phones. These kids very today and their powerful cellular phones. Uh, so basically, there's just like a, a group chat for the team, and she just gives the signal purely from there, so they don't have to communicate verbally. And also, they're in different positions, and I'll get the and I'll get the cue for action. Although he says start, not action. I mean, you got you got you got to say action for mm -hmm. that. Ajime, come on. Uh, so. Kurai immediately enters character as Nagisa. She's walking forward, and people are like, "Oh wow, she yeah, she didn't she didn't get dropped off by car today, and she's got her hair down." And, she's, and immediately she's just going around, "Good morning!" And everyone's like, "Uh, good morning," going around and saying hi to people, and everyone's like, "Something different about her? What's what's going on?" And so we've got a distant shot uh, where being shot from like the second floor of like, oh, okay, here's you know a tracking shot, a distant a long distance shot of her in the crowd. Then we've got another one from the front entrance as well. And then Hajime, of course, is on the cart being pushed. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, we're going to get a tracking shot from the shadows. So we get a close up of Nagisa's expressions. And immediately there's a, the issue of like, well, what if we get other people in the shot? And Hajime does say like, well, I can blur the surroundings to a certain extent if I use cinema mode on the phone. And also, you know, if I shoot it at, at a certain angle it'll block stuff out uh we we get that in more detail later so he's just like come on gito let's do it let's do it and he's like all right fine uh and ted maku is the one who analyzes what hajime is doing which is like okay so you're shooting from farther away using a telescopic lens and so as a result of that it makes the edges of the screen really blurry and makes them go by really quickly so you don't have to worry nearly so much about other people's faces being in the shot, even though you're doing this into a crowd. The big problem is that because it's with the telescopic lens, any shaking is going to be greatly exaggerated. Mm -hmm. So 
Hajime is like, look, I've I've got this gimbal, but it's a cheap gimbal because I didn't think we would need to have an expensive one for stuff like this. So it's just down to me. Like I'm on this moving trolley, uh, and I've got to hold this this steady with just my two hands and this cheap gimbal. But we get this cool fucking shot. It's so fucking awesome. This is such an amazing spread. Uh, it goes into a mode of like the film being created, even though this is a digital yeah. film. It's so cool of zooming in and focusing and focusing on Kurai, on Nagisa, and capturing that perfect shot of her expression as they go by. And Hajime Rail is like, we got it. And then right as that happens, like the, the cart hits a bump and they go flying off into the bushes afterwards. Uh, so, and there's a little bit of like, what the hell was that? Was that a cat? It's like, yes, cats, which are renowned to make noises such as. I mean, it doesn't sound like they make any noises. It just sounds like there's a big crash. And at which point, yeah, you could just presume like, yeah, I bet a cat probably did it. Yeah, I probably pushed that cart over there too. <laughs> uh, and, uh. So we cut to later on after they went as they're reviewing the shot on a tablet and Hajime's like, I mean, I did blur out the crowd, but this image quality is not good. And I really wanted a more artistic blur minus 142,000 points. And we finally get to Naka saying like, I don't understand the scale of the points. That he gives. <laughs> uh, but the crew are really excited about this. They're like, I get it now. Like, I feel like I get who Nagisa is now that I've seen this. Like, I kind of understood before, but this shot really drives it home for me. She I love is. it. I love it. Yeah. They're, they're all like, I get it. I get what this art we're creating is now. It's such an yeah. awesome experience. So Hajime gets to take that in and then immediately cry afterwards comes over and is like, director, I could do it better. Please give me another take. <laughs> So it's, it's just that great energy of these, you know, like more level headed amateurs who are just excited about everything. And then Hajime and uh, Kurai, who are a mix of that. And also like, this could be so much better if we didn't suck. Ah, I've got to be better. So, yeah. Uh, and they, of course, they don't have time or the ability to do another shot. So they just have to settle for that. Uh, and uh, they go to the AV room later. Tenmaku is talking to Hajime and says like, hey, you took some really bold risks and I, I want and Hajime says like yeah I want to make a movie that I'd be proud to show to myself when I was little and we get a flashback from when Hajime was you know a sickly little kid he you know it was really hard for him to participate in group activities there's a shot of him in like gym class and he just is coughing because he's not healthy he has to sit out while everyone else is bonding on the team and then it cuts to him when you know he's sitting in bed watching movies and he uh, thinks Whenever I would watch movies, it felt like being in a dream. So if I hadn't gone for that shot, I would have been letting down my movie-loving younger self. Such a great moment. Such Thank a you. great moment, yeah. You really do forget, like, as you mentioned, I think, like, last week, like, oh, yeah, part of his backstory is that, like, he was really sick for most of his life, and that's why he has such a fondness for movies, because he watched a lot of it while sick. And it really does put into perspective that shot as he's holding on to this gimbal with nothing but a strike, like how important this is to him. Yeah. And there's more to it as well, because Tenmaku is reflecting on what Hajime has just done. And he, there, we get a shot of the script because he thinks, as he thinks to himself, he did that with one line of stage direction, yeah, which is he, just 
Nagisa arrives at school. So That's... fucking so much work went into that. It's so awesome. Yeah. And Tenmaku says to Hajime, I'm glad it's you. The Shore is a movie written specifically for Himeki Karakui, but maybe it was also specifically written for director Shinichi. Aww. That's so cute. Awesome. Uh, and uh, then uh, Kurai arrives at, at the room and Ajime, of course, has been having this conversation with just Tenmaku, and she looks around and is like, oh, you're alone? You seem to be having an earnest conversation, so I figured that Akitsu and the others were here. Well, you are in junior high, so I, I guess that you're all going through that 12-year-old that twelve year old <laughs> phase, and he's like, no! No! No, it wasn't! She's like, no, it's not a problem. Like, I'm not judging. I think it's good that you just get it all out of your system. I'm not doing that! <laughs> Which is not the the first time that's, that 7th grader syndrome has been brought up in this series, given that he did have a possessed hand yeah, in, the, uh... in the first chapter. <laughs> but, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a cute moment to end It's on. super cool. This is a great chapter again. I love this gorilla filmmaking, all this effort. It's literally, they show the script. It's Nagisa arrives at school. Uh, again, like, God, there's so many great chapters this week. This is legitimately a phenomenal, amazing chapter, and I'm still like, do I? Can I give it anything? Mm. And I don't know. It's tough. I, I get you. And hey, let's keep the ball rolling. We got some Mashal to talk about. Let's talk about Mashal, Nick. This is chapter 158. Mash burn dead, and the power of everyone. So everyone, everyone. Uh, last time, Mash flicked his finger and blew a hole straight through Innocent Zero, who's just like, "This cannot be." Uh, Mash has a little moment of like, "Oh, did I just imagine of slowing down time?" Uh, but Innocent Zero is just like, "No, how could I lose?" And then just screams, "Damn!" Ah! His face starts ripping and exploding with blood. He's crying tears. He activates, he grabs, summons his wand, Lucifer, the god of darkness. He activates his third darkness, divine punishment. It uh, creates this big bean that summons this enormous orb of darkness. And it's, he's like, I will destroy this world. How can you fight me and save the world at the same time? You can't. You can't. This is the end. And he throw, his orb is coming straight down on the world. And then it's so nice. apparently that uh, that when he had that hole blown in his chest, uh, Innocent Zero lost the organ that controls his cool because yeah. he's just <laughs> fully like, Aah! yeah, his riz is gone now. He's he's straight up just uh, looking like a big dork. Uh, but suddenly the orb stops. He's like, what? How is my divine presence being suppressed? by who and nick there's only one character who hasn't really shown up to do anything it's tom Knowles, the the quidditch dude and he's like bambooing it uh i believe that's the name of it (laughs) is uh not the only person though tom Knowles is there but also brad whatever his name was i forget like brad Pittman or something like that uh the the cop who originally is the whole reason mash enrolled in this academy and i can't remember his name but the guy from the the monster hunting exam where dot was introduced is like yeah i guess this is what you mean by helping people i think sitter baby is on his back at least there's a baby that's on his back and there i don't know who else it there, is yep. uh silva apparently yeah uh 
we cut over. It's this is a full on reintroduction of everybody. Everyone is showing up and pointing their wands straight to the air and firing at this thing. Uh, the uh, Lupa Magica or whatever their name is, Lupus Magica or whatever. Uh, they're there. Luna Lovegood, well, Worth Maddle is there. They're like they're all doing the little things. Max Land from the the big Tri Wizard tournament. This really does sound like I'm just describing Harry Potter, but. Um, the Which, as we all know, had literally no influence on Mashal yeah. at all whatsoever. <laughs> the rival school and all the students there are here. And even the guy whose clothes Mash ripped is in like a one-off panel joke. Like, Mash is acknowledging all these people are here. And this guy's like, ah! Mash like, the guy whose clothes I ripped. I guess he never fixed them. <laughs> and he's trying harder than everybody. Like, he's really, he's like, ah! He's going really hard into it. Uh, Kaldo Gehenna shows up, says, I hope it wasn't too impertinent of me to call everybody. Everybody here was willing to lend a hand when they heard your name, which is a little weird because it's like their world's also at stake. I feel like everyone should have had a vested interest, but it is important to note everyone's here for MASH. Um, And then it just notes those you fought and those you saved. And then there's a person behind Nash and Kaldo turn and it's his dad. And his dad just says, I feared that without magic, you would never be accepted and loved by this many people. But you have the power of honesty and kindness. You've grown so much, Mash. And he pats him on the head. His dad gets to see all these people who love his son. Uh, Guys, uh, and uh, we'll save it for the end. Uh, We'll save it for the end. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a a very sweet little reunion of just like, hey, it's not just that Mash is saving the world, but he's doing it by, you know, uniting with everyone in this world that hated him. And he just wanted to, you know, hang out with people. And look, Lemon's here, too. (laughs) Yeah, Mash just says, I was just trying to do the things you taught me. So thank you, Dad. Uh, Lemon shows up. She's like, people all over the world have agreed the will to fight thanks to you. All these people, basically, Gregor last citizens are pointing their wands up in the air and they're like, you could do it. You could fight. We'll keep, we'll help too. Don't you join us. Like, you could do this. Uh, Melia Duel is watching this and is thinking, like, wow, magic has usually only been this thing that divided us or, or created conflict, but now it is being used finally to unite everybody thanks to this one boy finn's like you're not alone everything you've built at this point won't come crumbling down uh we do get a quick lemon joke where she's like we're the strongest husband and wife duo and he's like what she's like i just want to really remind you that i helped call everybody <laughs> like she gets really close to his face like i just i want you to know that i did something really good i did like, something of relevance for this yeah. for this finale okay <laughs> and we get like a little montage of mash thinking of all these people uh, and again i do love the guy whose clothes are ripped is still there in the corner so oh! like, and mash just says i'm so glad to have met you all and he takes off his uniform going just to like the athletic gear underneath Gets into his three-point stance. Boom. Shoots off like a rocket. And is at zero. Completely riskless. Is just like, I will become immortal and achieve eternal life. Then the world will be mine. I rule. I was born gifted. I'm special. I deserve everything. You can't stop me. You're nothing. And Mash responds, the world belongs to everyone. None of us are special. And this isn't nothing. This is the power of everyone. And we end the chapter on a two-page spread of Mash throwing this big spiral punch. And he says, here's your divine punishment. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice 
satisfying finale. I don't think that I will say like I don't think that it like exceeds expectations for what Mashal is, but I feel like the fact that we just have this and it's just like, hey, everyone comes together with the power of friendship and unity. We beat the the evil bad guy and Mash gets to have this moment where he you know is celebrated of like, you know, hey, he brought people together. People like him. He's accepted by the society. Hooray. Um two things. Okay. One is that we have recently uh there recently word has gotten around of that there's gonna be a couple new Shonen Jump series, which means, of course, whenever that happens, that almost certainly uh some series in jump we're going to have to end. It feels like it feels like Mashal is going is going to end. Yes, I think Mashal's uh, probably done within the next month. Yeah, I think that we've gotten to a point where it's like everything that needs to be done has has been done, uh, and we're probably just going to have just a nice conclusion, wrap up some loose ends. And hey, for the kind of series that Mashal was, Mashal was, it was a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, there were some some big moments. Uh, I feel like. I didn't like it quite as much as as a lot of people in our community did and on our podcast did. Uh, <laughs> I still quite enjoyed it and I, and I really liked that it was just a nice, silly and often exciting series to just like fall back on. It was never disappointing, I, I have to say. And there's something to be said about that. It, if the next chapter is really funny, I have to have Austin on just so I can be like, see, just it so. was good. It was funny. I know it was. <laughs> uh, my second note, guys, this is a very important call to action. That page with uh, Mash's dad showing up and talking to him and congratulating him, the top panel where he just shows up and there's just the word bubble of Mash saying pops somebody photoshop in him holding a bag of peanuts <laughs> i really needed to someone do that i okay? really needed him to have a bag of peanuts because i was like this is everything i got a little misty eyed even recapping it i was like he gets to see his son he was so worried about his son for so long but he gets to see that he is like everyone's here because they love him oh it's so beautiful Nick, yeah. the sensei never got that, okay? Blank canvas didn't get it. This one, ah, beautiful. It'll be the uh, new sticker on our server <laughs> when an old man <laughs> finally gets what they're happy. It's just him <laughs> with a big bag of peanuts. All right. Yeah, just just nice. It was. It's nice that we, that we get the nice moment where the bad guy gets punched in the face mm -hmm. by the guy with all of his friends watching. It's nice. Yes. Let's keep that energy going with the Elusive Samurai chapter 112. <laughs> Guys, I do not know how to express how little I care about what's been going on the last couple of chapters of the Elusive Samurai. It's chapter 112, intermission 1336. <sighs> Takaji won that fight where he was vastly outnumbered. Word got over to the Emperor. Kusunoki, the runaway general, was summoned, and he was and he was asked like, "What do you think we should do with your great military strategy mind?" And he told the emperor, "We need to vacate Kyo again." And and the emperor says, "Kyo, Kyo, Kyo, you want him, Kyo, Kyo, he, you want him to have the capital?" And Kusunoki says, "Like, yeah, look, uh, he's short on provisions right now, but he outnumbers us. So if we try and fight him here." 
we'll lose. But if he stays here and he doesn't have very many supplies, then we can cut off all of the routes that he could get food from. And then once they're hungry and demoralized, myself and Nita can have a pincher movement and just crush him in one go. And so everyone's like, sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I want victory. Yeah, that victory awaits. Perfect. Some random asshole advisor says, no. And the reasoning is that it'll make it'll make the emperor look bad. Yeah, because he'll run away. It'll make him look weak. We can't do that. We already ran away once. And the emperor's like, yeah, he's right. I'm not going to be I'm, I'm not going to look like a pussy. I'm the emperor I'm not running away. And Chris Nook is like, but my lord, you have to deserve that. No, 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 no. Refusing to flee strengthens pride and determination. You must make a stand before the city walls. You, who specialize in fighting while retreating, must stay where you are and not move. I'm a good leader. Yeah. Uh, and we get a flashback of Kusunoki being disappointed in that moment because he remembers first encountering the Emperor and he, we actually get a shot of the Emperor's face. Uh, he's, he's a guy with a goatee. A goatee, which, yeah, I, I can respect that. Yep, Nick loves goatees. He thinks yeah. everyone should have one. Not true. Uh, but this guy <laughs> wears it well. Well, so. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Emperor said, the Emperor, not the Emperor at that moment, but he said, like, uh, you know, I've, I've summoned you here because I saw your dream. And now you must see mine. So he has that same, like, divine presence and charisma about him that uh, Ashikaga has demonstrated in the past. So Kusunoki was overwhelmed by this. But now he says, the dream that I saw that day has faded. So, but he agrees to it because, like, yeah, I will obey the Emperor's wishes. Uh, but allow me some final words of advice. The heroes of old knew when to run. Refusing to flee out of pride and stubbornness causes rule to flee from those who should have it. It's a cool line. And he also tells the Emperor, like, you should learn from the boy who fled and hid only to later return. Because, of course, he's met he's met Tokiyuki and uh, knows how good, well, that worked out for him. Uh-huh. Later on, Kusunoki just says goodbye to his young sons and is like, yeah, I'm going to die and I'm not going to let you guys die for nothing. Uh, so just you should grow up in, instead to serve the Emperor well. Uh, and they say, all right, well, but before you go, you should give us our coming of age names. And Kusunoki says, like, well, but that belongs to the Eboshi. That you know, he said, no, no, no. We want names from you because we want to be strong like you and kill Takauji. And so Kusunoki thinks about it and is like, hmm, well, they're passionate like their mother. Maybe I should give them names that express the value of life. And he has a candlestick, not light bulb moment, and starts writing down something. It's like, okay, well, you. Tamanmaru will now be Masatsura, and you shall be Masatoki. And uh, one of his sons is like, well, you, you you put, you know, Masatsura, but it's written the way that Masayuki is, usually. He's like, oh, well, yeah, well, that'd be too obvious. It sounds like what you're talking about. And it's because for the part of following Masa for each of their names, their names are Toki and Yuki. Uh-huh. Uh and uh, he's like, yeah, 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 there's no particular meaning to it. Not at all. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So there's some nice stuff involving Kusunoki in this chapter. But all this stuff of like, 
Oh, and then there was a battle, and the Takauji beat some other guys you don't give a shit about. They're just people. They're just... Yeah, basically, Takauji went on some big victory run, which is important and significant to the, the lore. I shouldn't say the lore, the history of what they're going for, but it's just hard to get invested on that side of things, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I understand that part of the basis of this series is that it is a fictionalized version of actual historical events and so we and there is a kind of this like historical epic quality to the series in terms of like oh all these big movements and all these different figures and stuff but i'm not interested in that all the stuff that drew me to the samurai to begin with was just you know this small group of weird little character weird little kids that had unique abilities and they have been thrust into the background for the last several months at this point uh and i'm getting impatient following characters that i don't give a shit about uh especially because it's not the same characters that i don't give a shit about it's like cut to a different character that i don't give a shit about every single chapter so please finish with this <laughs> please <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, not as fun. Okay. Let's wrap up with One Piece, though, Nick. Quinn, it's chapter 1085. Oh, my the God. Death. We're almost at 1100. Holy shit. Yeah. The death of Nefotari Cobra. Spoilers. So, <laughs> the death we already knew about. So Cobra is reacting to the fact that, oh, my God, you know, you do. Uh, someone is sitting on the throne that is literally meant to remain vacant. Uh, so Ibu says, there are two things I wish to say and one thing to ask of thee, Cobra. Uh, and Cobra's not doing so well. He's coughing while he's sitting in his wheelchair, hacking up a storm. And uh, Cobra says, I know the name Emu already, but it must be a coincidence among the first 20. And Emu cuts him off and says, do not seek the answer. I will not provide it, which uh, sounds foreboding and seems to indicate that this is possibly the same Emu from generations before. Hmm. Uh -huh. uh, and... They proceed on to say, I can tell thee that thou that thou wish to know what thou wish to know. The D is the name of those who once opposed us. Those who bubble up from every corner of the world, bearing the D, are nothing but empty husks, ignorant you of gotta, the meaning you of their gotta, name. You gotta watch out if you're bearing that D, Nick. Yeah, that's right. Especially when it bubbles up from every corner of the earth. So, uh, this this recent development has its roots in Queen Lily's great mistake of 800 years ago, as does the curiosity of the scholars rummaging after the void century, as does the spate of pirates seeking the Poniglyphs for treasure. If not for Lily's mistake on that fateful day, the loathsome relics called the Poniglyphs would not have been scattered across the world, and this unfortunate event of the past has one disastrous potential explanation was the liberation of the Poneglyphs actually a simple mistake or was it planned? And the five uh, leaders, while when Emos says this, all start pulling weapons uh, and are clearly getting ready like, all right, we're going to kill them. We're going to kill Koba, right? We're doing it. We're doing it, right? Uh, I 
my eyes were drawn when this was happening to one of them seeming to get ready to pull something out of a cane. And I was like, ooh, a cane weapon. You have my attention. So. <laughs> Nick's like, now I'm invested. Yeah, all this stuff about all the lore of this 25-year-old series. Bah! Who cares about the Will of the Deep stuff? Nick was like, cane saw, weapon? Nick saw a cane and it's like, well, you had my curiosity, but now you have oh. my attention. Oh, hmm. <laughs> so, the, the Emu thinks that potentially this could be revealed by the letter that Cobra had talked about, Lily's letter that was sent to Alabasta. But Emu says, I have only heard thee speak of Queen Lily of the Nefertari dynasty. Why do you hide it from Mu? Tell Mu the proper name of the sender. And it covers like, yeah, I'm going to die. Uh, <laughs> and he says something that's a little bit weird, which is, if I told you a lie, would I escape the blow? Which is an interesting wording of, like, would I live past this day? But, you know, the leaders say, like, look, you, you've seen Great Emu. You're, you've been dead since that moment. You're, you're going to die. Uh, and so Cobra is now at this point panting, huffing and puffing. And now Sabo is listening in on the conversation. And he's like, what the hell is going on? And Cobra says, the letter was signed by the Queen of Alabasta 800 years ago. And her name was Nefotari D. Lily. Oh, we don't really have any context of if that's really important. It's just I mean, it means, person from a long time ago. It means she's an enemy that that legacy presumably carries through. I don't know how the D. Like, I still don't know how it practically works. Like, is it passed down through like you're like if you're a D, then your child is also a D, or if it's like a fate thing. I still don't quite understand how it works. But this could imply that, like, ultimately, Vivi is also a D. Potentially. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it, I think, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, a vector yeah. comes in and pierces through uh, Cobra, like, just this weird black arrow from seemingly nowhere. Uh, and Sabo then bursts in. He's, he's throwing fire fist stuff. Uh, and uh, Emu is reacting to this and is like, where did thou come from? And suddenly there are all these shadows, these these shades of different creatures surrounding the room. And Sabo's looking around like, oh, man, I would have liked to just kill all you <laughs> fucking monarchs. <laughs> but geez, uh, this is cr- kind of crazy what's going on. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, he, Cobra looks up and is like, you're Luffy's brother? You're saving me? And Sabo says, our real enemies aren't the kings, us revolutionaries. <laughs> like, alright. Uh, but he says, like, we're actually going up against the upper world government. It makes sense. He's like, look, I'm not actually interested yeah. in you guys as much as I am. <laughs> the the systematic yeah. monsters controlling everything. Cut off the head of the snake. Uh, and uh, so Sabo says, like, well, how do you know Luffy? And Cobra says, he saved my life. It's like, yeah, it sounds like Luffy, <laughs> which is a nice line. Uh, the shadowy creatures start to attack. Uh, Sabo picks up Cobra and starts trying to carry him to safety. And Cobra's like, if you if you don't try and save me, you can escape on your own. But Sabo's like, nope, no, not going to do that. But Cobra re- says, I've realized you must not die here. You've got to send a message to Luffy and Vivi. 
Luffy and Princess V tell them, We also bear the D. At last, I see a way forward for Alabasta. And uh, Sabo thinks about, you know, being a little kid, hanging out with his, with his brothers, his blood brothers, and, and they're like, you guys both have D in your name. Yeah, so we do. <laughs> Did not think about it, because they're A, little kids, and B, Ace and Luffy. Yeah. So, uh, and so they're like, you want to have a D too, Sabo? Huh? Yeah, we'll call you Sadipo. <laughs> I like it, because when you read it, it just looks like Sad Boy. And sad, I'm like, boy. Yeah, sad Boy. Sad Boy. makes sense. <laughs> Uh, another vector from nowhere uh, goes through Sabo and Cobra uh, and knocks them down uh, and uh, Cobra pushes himself up to his feet to buy Sabo some time and he says you know the potoglyphs must be protected and he starts to say some more stuff but is starting to like get covered up by the growls of this shadowy creature but i think we get all of it uh, uh there's one word that we miss which is bear the flag of the dawn against something world yeah that's that's it uh and then he finishes it with nefotara d lily so he basically recites the end of the letter from lily to the kingdom and yeah cobra fucking died Yes. Uh, at that point. Uh, and not only did Sabo witness this. It finally adds up why Wapple was involved. Because you're like, how did Wapple get involved? And he's just like, I shouldn't have been looking through that goddamn hole. Why did I do that? Uh, why, why did I look through the people? Why? No, Cobra's dead. I didn't like him, but uh, I'm not going to celebrate him being dead. I just had to watch all that shit happen. I just had to see the true darkness in this world. Why do I have to know this? Oh, no. Why? I don't want this burden. I, they're going to kill me. Uh... And uh, then we find out, hey, Cobra and Wapo were late to the council room. Hmm. Okay. So the explanation that has been circulated around is just that Cobra gave that speech and then he got all tired, which makes sense given how sickly he's been. Uh, so the, they, you know, they're just kind of like talking about stuff. There's just a note, which is a little bit sad of Shirosh being like, I wanted to say goodbye to Princess Vivi before we leave. Oh, they didn't get to see each other because Vivi got kidnapped by, by Cypher Paul Zero. Uh, and I love Vivi's just like, untie me! Who, t- who ordered this? I'm going to tell the world about what happened. They're like, I mean, we're, we, we're not going to let you go if you say you're going to tell everyone about this. And I fully admit, I don't remember Jabra. I don't remember yeah, John, I, I always remember I, I, I read it before he was uh, officially translated it's Jaibor is always how I remember it but Jaibor Dabra, uh, but yeah he's the guy with the wolf fruit that Sanji fought in Ina's Lobby okay and then Khalifa uh, Khalifa uh, soapy girl yeah yeah. Uh, and uh, they're like yeah I mean you're not getting it like I mean if you keep on pushing it then you're gonna just end up as someone's pet which is just really gross and just always the women that they do this threat to yeah uh there's also a nice note where she she's like is she your host she's safe and they're like are you worried about someone else but yeah she's fine and i was like oh Vivi's concerned for her friend more than herself because she's a she's a good person like that uh they also bring up how like oh yeah those guys who beat at the celestial dragon who was trying to abduct her uh they flat out said that they were followers of straw hat luffy and now the square is in uproar uh and Fujitora helped the Revolutionary Army free some slaves. 
That's a pretty big thing. It was yeah. it was established, I think, that Fujitora at this point has been put to sea, and straight mm-hmm. up Admiral uh, Akino is just like, "You don't come back until you've captured Luffy and the rest of like the mm-hmm. revolutionary." So I I think this is the punishment for it. But it is a wild move that Fujitora was like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna help the army free slaves." Yeah. Uh yeah, so Phoebe's just feeling herself like I gotta be, I gotta do something. What am I gonna do? I'm, there's no way I'm gonna let myself just be fucking sold into servitude. And then there is a, <laughs> and Wapo is bursting through the wall. It's like help me! I didn't see nothing. I saw nothing. I didn't and... see anything. Don't kill me. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and he's chewing through the wall, running away. He's like, help me! Uh, and Vivi's like, that's it! And <laughs> as he bursts through the opposite wall, she's just like grabbed onto, grabbed onto his shoulder. And yeah, every, all the cyberborn were like, what was that? Wait, Vivi's gone! <laughs> she's just hefted herself up onto his shoulder, and she's like, where are you going, Wapal? He's like, I'm leaving, where no one can follow me. And Vivi's like, yeah, take me too. And Wapal's wife is right there, and she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Who is this girl? It's very, very silly. Very, very fun. Yeah. Uh, So, what a chapter (laughs) to end on. Just, uh, yeah. So, that explains why uh, everyone's reacting the way that they have, certainly. People died, people ran away, stuff got dropped on people, monarchs are running around all over the place, admirals are running around all over the place, and uh, wars on the establishment are being declared. Uh, Yeah, understandable. Quinn, Uh how do you feel about this? (laughs) There's a lot that goes on, and I do like it because we are finally explaining some lore. Um and things like that i do agree with you i wish we didn't have to have like the weird creepiness of just like the threat that if vivi doesn't escape then the implications are kind of gross uh but i that's just what we established the celestial dragons are just gross weirdos who are completely fine Mm -hmm. with slavery um i like how it ties wapple into all this i still don't know how i feel about it but i do like how wapple got tied into this just like the dumbass decided to peek through a fucking hole he wasn't supposed to look into and now he's just stuck there he's like he's just constantly in situations like i don't want to be here uh and i do think it's you know it was uh kind of a cool way for uh uh, Cobra to go out. If, I assume he is just full on dead now. It seems very unlikely he would survive. But people yeah. have survived worse, so who knows? Yep. He, just, he could just be getting kept prisoner or something like that. Uses a hostage. I don't know. Um, regardless, it was it was a good chapter. Yeah, uh, this was an insane week. Uh, mm. So many good chapters. What do you think your favorite was? My favorite, I'm going to give to Mashal. I I am so torn because there are so many amazing chapters this week but i do think this is the last great chapter that mashal will have uh Mm. this is sort of like the pinnacle i think it's going to be like coasting out from here and then we'll get like a final chapter which might be really really awesome but like i do love the everybody shows up to like help the main character trope it's 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 a great one i thought they they did it really well there's a lot of like silly humor there were some nice callbacks there's a very very sweet and genuine moment with him and his dad and then it ends in like an extremely cool visual of him doing the big like lead up punch move and just being like here's your divine punishment dickhead (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> that is extraordinarily cool. But I legitimately, I'm like, fuck, Blue Box was so good. Tenmaku mm-hmm. Cinema was so good. <laughs> like, everything was really, really good this week. Yeah. Uh, I want to give particular attention to Akane Banashi, Blue Box, uh, Cypher Academy, and Tenmaku Cinema for chapters that made me just really, really happy and excited this week. My choice for chapter of the week, I think, is going to just be Blue Box. Uh, yeah. Just It's a chapter that is about a single moment, but it is built up to so perfectly. And it, it, such great use of just visuals to tell the story after we've gotten to know these characters of the last two years and leading up to this big moment where we don't need to be told there's no like extra flowery language to describe the moment. It's not needed. It's just you just taking the emotions of the characters in this moment. And it's wonderful. It's so effective. And MVP, I think we're, we might just, we're probably going to be in agreement on this. I actually, I think I'm changing my MVP. I know I really? said Himeki or uh, uh, Kaichi early, but I think I'm going to switch it to Himeki from, from wow. cinema. I really, I gave it to Kaichi last week, and I'm like, in rereading the Tenmaku Cinema chapter, I was like, I think this is the chapter that really kind of established an like a lane for me to really like Himeki as a character. Is like he is the sick oh, ha- Hajime. Hajime, sorry. Uh, who's Kimeki the- is the actress. Oh, sorry, uh, Hajime. Yeah, sorry, Hajime. Um, I, I like this is this was the route to be like this is a guy he loves movies. He's very sick, but he's going to work his ass off to get there. And I love that passion of him trying to get that one perfect shot for, again, a scene that has so little bearing on the plot. But he's like, I need to get that shot. And I think it was very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I love so many different like things. I want to give I want to say, like, I really liked how you got to was portraying this chapter of uh, Cypher Academy. I I am right there with you in terms of where, with Hajime connecting on that. Uh, I also want to say that even though I didn't like the chapter overall, I liked the moment involving uh, Kusunoki uh, in Illusa Samurai in terms of how he is reacting to things and looking at everything. I thought mm-hmm. it was actually a really good showcase of his character. Uh, and yeah, like the fucking... Our lead, like the leads in Blue Box, uh, so many good moments, and also just like there was just so much good manga this week. Yeah, uh, I am gonna, I am going to double dip, da- uh, double dip, and go on, uh, not double dip, but like uh, just uh, go two in a row on Kaichi. Uh, I thought that the, you know this was just a really nice follow up to the previous chapter, uh, and it, I, it was a great window into learning about what makes him the way that he is, and a great showcase of that, and. It makes me hope that even after we go through this test, that uh, he'll be, you know, a, a major supporting character or, you know, a friendly rival character for Akane going forward. Because yeah. it's it's nice to have a very different and very well fleshed out character uh, in terms of his motivations. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Mashal, Magic, and Muscles as the chapter of the week, and there is a tie for character of the week between Kaichi from Akane Banashi and also Emu from One Piece. I have to say, yeah, uh, the way that Emu is portrayed and how scary they look in that in this chapter, very good, very good. Uh, and uh, uh, I do appreciate just the very straightforward, like, 
fuck you. <laughs> I'm the emperor. I hate all of you. So, uh, guys, thanks for watching and listening to Weekly Manga Recap this week. We'll be back with more next week here on twitch.tv slash T. Uh, you can also check out our past episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. Uh, YouTube.com slash weeklymangarecap is where the video versions are at. And you can also just check out the different podcast providers that are out there, like Spotify, iTunes, etc. Uh, just search for Weekly Manga Recap. We would like to uh, thank everyone who is part of our Discord community. Uh, you can uh, check that out in a link wherever you're watching or listening to this to be taken there and that's probably the best way for you to keep up on things that are going on in terms of like when we're starting recordings uh when stuff gets posted up uh, etc you can also follow us on social media quinn is at rollo t and i am at nick f time and there's also the official account at devnor podcast as well uh, but if you join the discord uh, server then you'll also be able to see the google doc that's maintained by ninja x3i it keeps track of all the statistics that are associated with the show including the mvp and favorite series uh, voting that quinn was talking about before like if you want to see how the audience voted uh, specifically on stuff uh, what the breakdown was on different series and everything and also speaking of our audience you can check out the audience recommendations uh, that we have taken in the past and that have been made for potential future reviews for us going forward and also add your own suggestions if you would like to mm-hmm. we also want to thank Wednesday Dow Trader and Milo Jack Stillitz for creating the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Mock Recap and also Steve Mann our occasional tile cartist whose work you can check out under Steve Mann Art wherever on the internet boobs can be drawn and that is going to be it for That's this it. week thank you everybody for watching I hope everybody had a good time yeah Happy first week of uh, first WMR of Pride Month, everybody. We'll be back with more Pridey Pride stuff yeah. in the near future. Yeah, next week uh, we'll show butt fucking on the podcast. No, we won't. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, then maybe we'll wait, just define talk- butt fucking for me. <sighs> Gotta go.